What is up, you two? Welcome in to another live edition of Bucky and BK on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Today is Monday, September 11th, 2023. We will never forget the 22nd anniversary of one of the most tragic moments, maybe the most tragic moment in our nation's history, September 11th, 2001. Buck is back. We are ready to roll. We've got tons of football to talk about this morning. And of course, starts with the Longhorns, Buck. We'll talk plenty of Texas, Alabama as the Longhorns pick up their first win over a top three team since 2008. They end the nation's longest winning streak. They end college football's longest non-conference winning streak. And they slay the dragon. That is the Alabama Crimson Tide. We'll talk plenty about that. We'll talk other college football. We'll talk about the Cowboys' dominant week one Sunday night performance against the Giants. We'll talk a little bit about the Texans' underwhelming season opener against the Baltimore Ravens. We are locked and loaded until 10 o'clock right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. But more important than any of that, the Buck is back. Bucky, great to have you back. Great to see you, my friend. Good morning. Good morning to you, BK, and good morning to the soldiers at Fort Cabasas, Texas the soldiers in the state of Texas, and all those that fight for us each and every day. Thank you so very much for what you do. And to those uh, those that have lost their lives and lost their loved ones in 9-11, as BK says, we will never, ever, ever forget. And thank you to all those uh, firefighters, EMS workers, and thank you, as a matter of fact, to EMS for taking care of me on Friday. As a matter of fact, I had a little episode on Friday, so might as well get that out of the way because it'll get out before long anyhow because that's just the way the media is <laughs> surprised it hadn't hit twitter yet but on friday i had a a little episode called called a transient global amnesia and i had people all around me to do good by me for sure and that was my good buddy right there bk my son aj and the nurses and doctors over at st david south i do appreciate it uh, very very much bk thank you so much for what you did for me on friday because i don't know if i'd have made it through this deal I'd still be wandering the streets of Dripping Springs probably if you weren't here and if my son AJ weren't around. I've I've had some little weird things. At 29 years old, I had a a real life stroke. And a lot of people don't understand, but at 29 years old, I had a stroke stroke. This was not a stroke. This was just something that generally can happen to people if you get stressed out, if you get dehydrated, which you and I had a lot of business on Friday that we did. The only thing I had that day was a cup of coffee, no water, no meal. And you and I had a meeting that day. And by the time I started to come back from out past the airport, obviously, I mean, was at Coda, as a matter of fact, on my way back, things got a little different for me. Mm. Now, I'm nuts as it is, but this went, this deal takes you to another nutty level, believe me. Yeah. And you saw what it, what it's like when you don't know where you are. You don't know who you're talking to. You don't know where your wife is. But I, as, of course, I knew where she was, but... I couldn't relay the message to my brain and my brain was just saying, dude, slow down. It's not that important. You know, you need to be a little bit more stress-free, but more than anything, you have to hydrate your body. And in these days um, where I thought I was hydrated enough, I was not. And it is a one-time deal. It's not one of those deals that comes back to get you. Now you can get another stroke, but this deal from what the doctors has told me, it's just a one-time deal and, and that's it. So I've got to take care of myself, but I've got to hydrate. I, I just feel, I, I don't like water. I'm not a water drinker. I mean, I'm, 
And people say that it just sounds silly. What do you mean you don't like water? You need water. Mm. Well, I'm not a water drinker, so my wife made me a, a electrolyte with some pouring some stuff in it yesterday. It is the nastiest crap. I mean, oh. really. They have better flavored water you could drink. Like you could just get those little packets that uh, you pour into your water to make it not taste like water. What is that, There's Pedialyte? Body armor. Not Pedialyte. <laughs> this is body armor. So I got some of that. Yeah. There's water you know, in that. That's good. I guess. And for those that don't think you need to have that water like myself, because as, I was, as I'm telling people, I'm playing golf on Wednesday. And I'm oh. hearing, oh, no, you're not, dude. You're not going to be out there. It's supposed to get into the low 90s. Is that what we're talking about? I don't know. You said it was going to rain yesterday, and it didn't yeah. rain yesterday. Wait a minute. But did we not get some thunder and lightning? Does that count for anything? I didn't get any of that. Did you get some of that? My mind's saying yes, but my body's saying <laughs> no. I don't know. What, are you going to R. Kelly again? Trapped yes, in the closet? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, thank you so much, BK. I appreciate course, that. Man. Well, it's good. On Friday. Friday was uh, very taxing, and over the last month or so, it been a lot of things going on and you know i'll slow down when i'm dead god <laughs> well it's good to have you back man yeah friday was a little scary but uh glad you're feeling okay and you're back to being the buck and we are thrilled to have you back especially today because we got so much to talk about how wow. about the texas longhorns man uh look both of us picked alabama uh, both of us said we thought Texas had a chance to win this game. It's not like neither of us gave the Longhorns a chance to do what they did on Saturday night. But what a dominant performance by the Longhorns to go into Tuscaloosa and knock off the Alabama Crimson Tide. The Longhorns were seven and a half point favorites. Not only do they beat Alabama, they beat them by double digits, handing Nick Saban his first double-digit home loss during his Alabama career. you got to go all the way back to when Saban was coaching LSU, the last time one of his teams lost a game at home by 10 or more. So the Texas Longhorns, we talked about this, Buck. This was a benchmark game for them, and this was a statement game for them. And they passed the test with flying colors, and they made a statement to the rest of the college football world that, hey, this team is here. This team is ready for the SEC next year. But forget next year, this team is ready to make some big things happen here in 2023. Yeah, this is also a team that can't get over its skis, just keep getting better each and every week, doing some of the little things that you may have not done in that football game itself. Just keep doing those things, keep getting better every week, keep getting better every practice. And, um, you know, it, it was it was good to it was good to see some real positive things happen in this team. You know, I said before the season actually started, before even game number one, that this head coach is going to have to win two games this year. He just won one. That's it. That's his game. His play calling down the stretch was phenomenal. You know, I mean, that the play to Sanders, the drive that they had right there when they were down and came right back and scored, you know, BK, that was that was play calling. That was executing the plays. But that was the coach making the right decisions. And I'm going to chalk that as one win for Steve Sarkeesian himself and his staff. That yeah. that was a those were great plays. He's got one right now. There's another one that comes somewhere in the Big 12, but there, that's a start. That's one right there. That's for the coach right there. That's that's the coach. I know the players at the end of it all knew how well they played themselves and every every individual was on the money. You know, they still drop passes. They did some little things that they can get better at. But they've got to look in that locker room, look at that coaching staff and say, "Guys, thank you coach. Way to go." And that's what I'm saying on this morning. That's Steve Sarkeesian. That's 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 what he was brought here to do, to make the calls that work. And they did. They executed. 
But that was his game. That was one of two right there, BK. You're right. You're 100% right, Buck. And I saw 2020 Steve Sarkeesian Alabama's offense for Texas on Saturday night, right? When Texas hired Sark before the 2021 season, the thing that excited me the most about Steve Sarkeesian was his ability to scheme guys open, right? Yes. You think about all the talent Alabama had, that obviously helps. But it just felt like on every play, there was somebody wide open. It's like, yes. Devontae Smith, he's about to win the Heisman Trophy. How is this dude wide open on like every other play? Jalen Waddle, he's going to be a first-round pick. How is this dude wide open on every single play? And that was all Sark, right? Like he could just find ways to scheme guys open. And you saw that time after time after time, like Cindy Lauper on Saturday, man. I mean, you know, Jatavion Sanders and Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell. I mean, these guys are all studs. And somehow, some way, going up against the best defensive mind in the history of the sport, these dudes were getting lost. Like, they were yeah. wide open. Like, credit Quinn Ewers, of course, he made some great throws. And not every throw was wide open, right? He made some incredible tight window throws as well. And we'll talk plenty about Quinn this morning. But Sark was deep in his bag, man. I mean, everything he called was seemingly working, especially in the second half where that's been a problem for Sark, right, Buck? We talked about it before the season right. started. You know, Sark's always been, always been a great scripter, right? The first 15 to 20 plays, it feels like Sark is one of, if not the best coaches in the country, but his teams have struggled in the second half, and it's felt like he has lost the battle of adjustments in-game throughout the games way more often than he's won them. He, against Nick Saban, the best college football coach of all time, he won the battle of adjustments. That in-game chess match, his offense was better than Nick Saban's defense. That was the best game Steve Sarkeesian has coached at the University of Texas. And you're dead on. You needed your coach to go out there and win you a couple of games this season. You really needed him to do that going up against Nick Saban and Steve Sarkeesian. You talk about big-time moments. Big-time players making big-time plays in big-time games. That was a big-time coaching moment right there from Steve Sarkeesian. That dude had the joystick in his hand for four quarters, and he was playing it and playing it against Nick Saban. And sometimes it didn't work, but other times his quarterback had to come through. The wide receivers had to come. The offensive line had to pass protect. But the plays that that guy called, there were some open guys. I mean, wide-ass open. They were right there waiting for the ball. And, And their quarterback... Uh, Quinn, yours uh, enough can there's not enough that can be said about this guy. You know, I said that he was gonna he wants that weight on his shoulders now. He looked like the player that can handle the pressure now. Put it on his shoulders. Let him let him carry you on through. Give him the direction. He will make the throws. He'll set his feet. Now he had a couple. I'm not giving him perfection because there were a couple that his feet weren't set that looked like pretty easy throws that he didn't get away with. You know, and it, and it was just that thing about him where he just relies so much on his arm. He'll throw it sideways when he doesn't have to throw it sidearm, you know, when he can step into it. And he had time. He didn't have a lot of he didn't have a lot of pressure. Those guys did a fantastic job on Saturday of protecting the quarterback. Now they didn't run block for shit. I mean, come on now. They can't run the ball. They still can't run the ball a lick. But they they moved it a little bit. And you know, in certain games, because you just gotta have a total that you're looking for in your yardage. I mean, when I coach with Ricky Williams and Priest Holmes against Oklahoma, as I said. We're always looking for not individual play. No, no, Ricky, you don't need 175 against Oklahoma. We need 125 as, as a total or 150. We'll be fantastic. We'll be okay. We'll be in the game that we get that. And I think that's what Texas got because they got stonewalled a couple times in the run game. Yeah. And Jonathan Brooks, I thought, played a fantastic game. You know, he did a lot of things that you needed him to do. He was a pass protector, and he stood in there stoutly when guys came. Guys were slipping off of offensive linemen, but he was there – 
to help out. You know, he wasn't just a, a participant. He was an active participant in the pocket for the quarterback, I thought, on Saturday. Running, they weren't going to that. Alabama didn't let anybody run on them, so they weren't going to run yeah. for 200 yards against them at 175. They just needed minimal running, but they needed to protect the quarterback because that secondary was getting roasted at times. And the ball was on the money. The play calling was on the money. And the defense, I mean, there's just, what can you say about this defense? They're just there. It looks like the group that's going to be there every week for you. Yeah, it was an incredibly impressive performance in all facets of the game for Texas on Saturday. And you're right. I mean, look, Quinn Ewers is obviously the biggest story from a player standpoint. But the job the offensive line did cannot be overstated. They didn't allow a sack, Buck. I mean, Alabama's defense is loaded with talent. And, and that dude number 15 is a monster. Yeah, Dallas Turner might be the first defensive player taken in April's NFL draft. Like, that guy is a freaking beast. And, you know, it's Bama. There's four and five stars all over their defensive line. And they just dominate just about every single week. Texas won the Battle of the Trenches. I mean, that's huge. Like, on offense and defense, right? We could talk yes. about the Texas defense in a moment. But, you know, the Texas offensive line, they didn't allow a sack. They only allowed three pressures all night long. Bama only had two TFLs in this game on Saturday. I mean, what a night and day difference from the O-line, Buck. The offensive line, that was maybe the most negative takeaway I think we had from Texas's week one win against Rice, yes. who, by the way, way to go, Rice. Nice win over Houston over the weekend. Go. Maybe that makes Texas's week one win look a little bit more impressive. But the, the Longhorn offensive line against Rice was bad, and all, all we were saying was, oh, man, if this group plays like that against Alabama, they've got no shot. Well, the good news is they didn't play like that. I mean, a night and day difference. That was one of the best offensive line performances in the history of the University of Texas, regardless of opponent. But to do that in that place against that talent, that was awesome. Giving Quinn Ewers time to throw the football and obviously those receivers and tight ends time to get open down the field. The O-line, man, I wasn't sure what to expect, but what a bounce-back performance by the big uglies up front. Texas doesn't win that game without the O-line playing the way that it no. did. Those guys deserve a ton of credit. Well, the, the coaches deserve a ton of credit, too, because in one week, from what we saw in week one, we were, I was a little horrified at what they were going to go against in Tuscaloosa. I didn't know how good you could get in one week. I know that whole, you, you, you're so much better in week number two than you are in week number one. I got that, been there, done that, been around it. But to be that good in week number two after the way you look in week number one, when the 260-pounders were getting through your offensive line and pressuring the quarterback, and to come up against that fantastic job. That is a, that's, that's coaching genius what they did. And that's the players sitting down and saying, you know, we sucked in week one. You know, we were so much better last year. Then all of a sudden to come out of week one, can you get that better that quick? You know what I mean? So you got a week to, you got a stew on that. You got to watch film. You can't, that's not one of those films that you take when people say, oh, we just throw it out the window. No, no, you take that film and you learn from your mistakes and what happens to you when you're not prepared and when you take a team lightly. And they didn't take this, obviously they weren't going to take this group lightly because they went back to work and that's, that's on all the coaches for getting these guys to get right back in the film room, get on the practice field, and get it done. That's a big win, and that's a big win for everybody on that staff. Yep, absolutely. Let's hear from Steve Sarkeesian, his opening statement following Texas's 34-24 win in Tuscaloosa on Saturday. You know, getting the ball with seven minutes to go at the end of this game and finishing the game with the ball in our hands and never giving it back to them. That's an explosive team. So... Oh, we got Robot Sark. 
got to work on that. Was that sounding weird on your end too? No, 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 no. The, the sound was fine over here. I could, I heard him. Was it? It wasn't choppy or robotic? No, no. He, he was sounding like Sark does. Okay, hold on. Let me try this again. I was hearing some weird stuff over here. Let's, uh, we might have like, uh, you know, James Earl Jones version of Steve Sarkeesian. Here we go. Kind of indicative of how far we've come. You know, our ability to rebound when things don't go our way in the second half, and then our ability to, to finish games on the road um, to possess the ball and, and finish it out. You know, there's a lot of individual highlight performances to talk about, but uh, all in all, it's a heck of a team win and uh, really proud of our players. You know, we have a, a, a ton of respect uh, for that team, for, for Alabama. And I know how well they're coached. I know how hard they play. Um, and so, uh, you know, 52 and one walking in this, walking in this stadium here over the last 53 games. So, um, I think it just shows a lot about kind of what we're capable of. And like I said, coming into the game, this game's not going to define our season. Yeah, I like it. I, it just tells me that they're just going to go right back to work like they did after the Rice game. They knew there were some things that they had to straighten out before the Alabama game. And now they'll do the same. There's some things that they have to straighten out from the Alabama game when they play Wyoming. You just keep going back to work. You know, you're not looking past your next opponent because any any of these opponents except for we got your back there, Tech. We'll take care of Wyoming this week. <laughs> we'll go back to work unlike you did after your loss. You didn't go back to work because oh, you lost again. About Tech, 0-2 oh after all the trash they were talking this offseason. And they can't still be talking trash. Oh, they are. They, of course they are. No, they're really? the only fan base in the country that talks shit after a loss. They're still talking. Oh, yeah. They're still in it. Well, everybody's still in it in the Big 12. But right now, the Texas Longhorns are 2-0, and ranked number four in the nation, and just have to keep going and keep pounding. You know what I'm saying? Keep rowing that boat. You just got to do it. That's all you can do. And, you know, once again, this coach still has one more left in him that he has to get done where he has to win the game. It's not over. They're, they're going to they're gonna have some adversity, BK, where he's got to pull it. You know, he got to pull that rabbit out of the hat himself and make that call and where his players say, you know what, coach, you make this call, it's going to be exactly the way you said it's going to be because it was there on Saturday. But for the way the defense and the offense and that whole group play and the Texas fans, that place was loud and crazy. But I saw a lot of Horn fans. I saw a lot of burnt orange there. Oh, yeah. And and they were into that game. I mean, that, that had to be one of the greatest college atmospheres. I mean, even for Texas fans that have been around 100,000, you know, 105,000, that must have been the atmosphere there must have been unbelievable for folks who are actually there to see that. Yeah, I talked to a few people who were at Bryant-Denny Stadium on Saturday night, and they said it was one of, if not the best atmospheres they've ever been a part of for a college football game. So, look, Alabama brought it. It was a huge game for them, too. I mean, obviously, oh, yeah. with college game day there, and I mean, it's a huge matchup, two of the most historic programs in the history of the sport. It was a big, big deal for Alabama as well. But obviously, yeah, Texas fans had had that one marked on the calendar for a long time, right? Once once this home and home was announced last decade, I think Longhorn fans started planning their trips to Tuscaloosa. And obviously, once the game in Austin went down the way it did last September, I think Texas fans were like, oh, no, we, we need to be here for when we get revenge against this Alabama team in their house. And that's exactly what happened. So, yeah, there was a lot of burnt orange in the stand Saturday night, and they had a lot to cheer about. Let me ask you again. The audio sounded okay? Yes. 
Dude, I wish I wish you guys could hear what I was hearing during that. I mean, it was choppy. It sounded like James Earl Jones had invaded the mind and body of Steve Sarkeesian. It Global was amnesia for your setup this morning. <laughs> Dude, I don't even Oh my God. Like that's I, I guess I should be happy that you guys weren't hearing that and that it sounded okay for y'all, but uh, I kinda wish for entertainment purposes you guys got to hear what my computer was uh, was spewing out on this end. That was uh, that was something else. Uh, let's hear one more for Steve Sarkeesian. Man, the okay. I was I, I was happy for most of Saturday night, of course, but the first touchdown of the game for Texas, the deep shot from Quinn Ewers to Xavier Worthy. I mean, how beautiful was that? Right after the deep ball struggles last year. For this offense, after Quinn Ewers went 0 of 7 on passes of 15 yards or more in week one against Rice, that was a huge talking point for us. That was a huge talking point for Longhorn Nation. Whether or not Quinn Ewers was capable of connecting on a deep shot, we ended up getting a few on Saturday night. But, like, can they find a way to be successful on one explosive play through the air? And they finally did, and it was glorious. Of course, the uh, the 44-yard touchdown from Ewers to Xavier Worthy. Sark was asked about that after the game, just how nice it was to finally hit a couple of deep shots. Here's what he had to say. Hopefully you guys don't ask me about it for a while. Um, no, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. We have to hit them so you guys stop asking. But in the end, um, you know, as the game wore on, you could kind of feel some of the coverage going to Xavier, and that created some opportunities for JT, um, obviously um, AD, and then Jay Witt with a couple big plays in there. And, and uh, so to, to, to hit the deep ball early to Xavier and then to come back and get that deep ball to, uh, to AD for that, that long touchdown and then finding some of those intermediate throws to some different people. You know, JT made some, some really big plays and, as well as Jordan. So, um, you know, I think that that's what we have to get accustomed to. I talked about that to Xavier in the fourth quarter. He, he was recognizing the double. All right. Could you hear that? Now I didn't hear that. So okay. All right. I didn't hear James Earl Jones, Steve Sarkeesian. <laughs> okay. Uh, I didn't hear Cindy Lopper. I didn't hear any of them. <laughs> All right. Let's let's try this. Sark on hitting some deep shots. Here okay. we go. You guys don't ask me about it for a while. Um, no. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. I know. We have to hit them so you guys stop asking. But in the end, um, you know, as more on you could kind of feel some of the coverage going to Xavier and that created some opportunities for JT um, obviously um, AD and then Jay Witt with a couple big plays in there and and uh, so to, to, to hit the deep ball early to Xavier and then to come back and get that deep ball to uh, to AD for that, that long touchdown and then finding some of those intermediate throws to some different people you know JT made some some really big plays and as well as Jordan. So um Yeah, and, and he's right. That ball got spread everywhere on Saturday. I mean it was nice. The long pass for the touchdown was I mean, that was Quinn at his best throwing them bombs, but that was that was a nice that was nice directing for uh for Xavier. I mean he had to adjust himself and adjust his body to make that catch over his shoulders. That was not an easy catch. I mean yeah. that wasn't your everyday you know, in front of 90,000, just turn your body and make it. He adjusted himself really, really well to cradle that ball because I was thinking, oh, no, this is going to hit the ground. He's going to miss this one. Because I think he had dropped one before that. 
a, a pretty easy pass. Yeah, should have been a touchdown, right? Yeah, I'm like, oh, no, dude, not again. And then he made that catch, and that was the adjustment that he made on that ball was fantastic. The ball was thrown where the wide receiver had to make the adjustment. That's up to you and your ability as a, you know, as a wide wide receiver and a really sensational wide receiver to move your body that way and make that catch. That was that's a catch that's going to set him straight now for the remainder of the season, right there. Yeah. Xavier Worthy. Yeah, and it was a great well ball. Done. Great ball by Quinn Ewers too. I mean, the biggest issue on those deep shots, it's felt like Quinn Ewers hasn't led his receivers enough. Right? right. He's just been floating them too high in the air. Which let them uh, make the adjustment. Yeah, exactly. He's just been allowing defensive backs the time to make a play on the football. But that one, like you said, Quinn put it in a spot where only Xavier Worthy could get it. I'll give Xavier Worthy a ton of credit for making the adjustment that you talked about. And I'll also give Steve Sarkeesian credit for a couple of different things. Number one, he didn't go away from the deep ball, right? Like, I I was nervous. I think every Texas fan was nervous. Like, okay, you know, against Rice, these deep shots, well, if Quinn Ewers underthrows him a little bit, they're incompletions. You live to play another down against Alabama and Kool-Aid McKinstry and Terrion Arnold and some of the secondary guys that they have who are going to be playing on Sundays, those deep shots, if your timing's off or the ball floats a little bit too much, those are interceptions. Those are back-breaking type of plays, and Sark stuck with it, number one. And also the timing of that one, Buck, that came right after the double pass, right? Or Xavier Worthy chunked one to A.D. Mitchell, and Texas actually drew a pass interference penalty on that one. And I'm like, oh, my God, can Xavier Worthy throw a better deep ball than Quinn Ewers? And then other, <laughs> other, I literally was watching with a bunch of buddies on Saturday, and I'm like, oh, my God, that might be the best deep ball a Texas quarterback has thrown all season. And yeah, on the very the deep ones, yeah. on the very next play, you get Ewers finding Worthy on that deep shot touchdown. And I'm like, oh, never mind, never mind. That's, uh, that's Quinn. That's the real quarterback right there. But yeah, the timing of that play call was perfect. Obviously, the execution was perfect. And the design of that play, too. Texas got the matchup it wanted with some pre-snap motion. I'm telling you, Buck, uh, like that's that's Sark going out there and winning you a game, like you said. But all yes. of the stuff that we saw at Alabama when he had a Heisman winner and a couple of Heisman finalists in 2020, the scheming guys open, the pre-snap motion, those cheat codes that he was using that just can, can be the difference in a game like that we saw it all from steve sarkeesian man like you said he had the joysticks just everything he was doing was seemingly working and uh, the timing of some of those play calls but obviously the scheming of some of those play calls too it was really really good to see and you don't see nick saban's defense get picked apart like that that often texas was able to do that in large part because of sark well you don't you don't see nick saban's defense let a guy take five step drop and sit in the pocket and, and be able to find guys in that inter- intermediate area either. There's generally somebody putting an arm up in his face or a hand in the quarterback's face. Not on Saturday. That pocket was relatively clean. And that that, that was due to everybody. That That's due to the running backs being able to step in there and not just get out of there and bail out of there. If a guy's slipping off, somebody comes in and gets a shoulder in there. I just thought they played an all-around great game offensively. And that And when you talk about that, everybody's involved. It's not just the quarterback and the wide receivers. It's the running back. It's the tight ends. It's it's the double teams that you have to have. That you have to have. You got to know where your weaknesses are. You got to know who the strong player is on that defense, and don't let him dominate a game. Because as I said, number fifteen, that's one of those guys that can be a game wrecker if you let him get going. He never got going in the game. He didn't. That was the guy I was more fearful for in this football game that he was going to get loose and he was going to wreck your game plan because you couldn't handle him because you were going to be stubborn and say, my guy can block that guy. Well, your guy not only blocked him, but he had help, and they did a fantastic job. So it was 
It was a really nice game plan. They, they went to work after the Rice game, and they got it done in six days. They were able to do what they needed to do in six days. And, I mean, that's, that's, that's a compliment to your players, too, understanding what it takes to win a game yep. and how they were going to have to do They knew they couldn't play that same game against Rice. And they couldn't make little adjustments that they did. They made huge adjustments, and they played the game that they were supposed to play in order to beat a team like that going to Tuscaloosa and winning that football game. Absolutely. Thank you all for all of the YouTube comments. Thank you for all of the texts as well on our new text line, 512-222-9328. Man, it's uh, – it's, remember the uh, white and gold dress versus black and blue? Remember, Buck? Oh, yeah. That picture where, you know, people were on both sides and some people thought the dress was this color, some people thought the dress was that color. That's basically the feedback we're getting with the uh, Sark audio that we played this morning, right? Some people are oh, yeah. some people are hearing what you're hearing, like, oh, it's perfectly fine, it's all good, sure. and then some people are hearing what I'm hearing, where it's like, no, it's choppy, and it uh, sounds like Robot Sark has invaded our show this morning. So we'll work on uh, we'll work on getting that cleaned up, but uh, really do appreciate you guys reaching in and uh, reaching in, reaching out, and chiming in here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. We are locked and loaded, eight to five all day long. You know, every single show we have will be dissecting this game from every single angle as Texas gets one of its biggest regular season wins in program history at Alabama with the win. The Longhorns now number four in the AP poll, Buck. What'd you think of that? It's almost like these two teams flip-flopped, right? Pretty close to it. Alabama was number three going into the game. Texas was number 11. Now Texas moves all the way up to number four. Alabama drops to number 10. You cool with uh, where the Longhorns are ranked in this week's AP poll? Yeah, I am. And and you know what? I, I saw Quinn Ewers with a cigar celebrating. You know what? So be it. If that's just your night, I'd be celebrating too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it wouldn't have got me to drinking, but I've been damn close. I know that. But that that was a win. That was a win that you needed to go out and have a good time. And if you're sitting back smoking a cigar, that's okay. As long as you were going right back to work on Monday or Sunday, whenever it was Sunday, I guess they go watch the film. As long as your your mindset is to get right back to work and now winning a Big 12 championship. Oh, no. We're not just going to the Big 12 championship now, BK. That was enough to tell you they should win the Big 12 championship. There shouldn't, there's nobody in the Big 12 that can beat them. They can only beat themselves from this point on, yeah. I believe. If they stay healthy, the only ones to beat them are them, you know, and their heads and their mindset. And so they, this team needs to gather themselves, get a little bit better even from the Alabama game. There's some things that you can clean up. There's still some balls that needed to be caught. You know, when, when the kid throws a ball and hits you in the hands, you got to make those plays. You know, there's, there's going to be some struggles throughout the year because mentally you're going to – there are going to be some players on your football team that are going to think, I'm at the top of the heap now. I'm this good. You know what? I can just kind of cruise along. We're just that good. We've got these type of players. Well, no, you got to keep working. And that's the complacency that you have to get out of your squad from this point on. That game was huge. It was, it was huge for the university. It was huge for the football program. It was huge for the fans. Now your players have to go right back to work. They got to get right back at it and get back at it strong. They can't just take it for granted that they're just good. You have to keep working to be good. doesn't come automatically. It takes an awful lot of work, and they still got a lot of work to do because you haven't won a championship yet. You won a game. You haven't gotten to the championship. That should be now one of your, your goals is to do that. Obviously, your goal is to have a winning season. This group's too good not to have a winning season, For the period. From that point on, it's about getting to the championship, winning the championship, and maybe getting in the playoffs. And you can talk playoff football now after that win. You can have that in your mind. But 
your mindset as a player. I'm a fan, so I can have that in my mind. As a player, it's got to go back to work. Got Wyoming. Wyoming beat Texas Tech, so we got to go there and get. We got you know we got to be ready. They're coming to your house. Can't get complacent at home. Like you've got it made. Like your crowd is going to. Your crowd can't be the one that moves you forward. Your team has to be the ones that continue to move you forward. If you trust in the coach and what happened last week, continue to trust him, him and continue to do the hard work that is needed to be done. There's no doubt about it. This team's got all the ability to do just that. Yeah. Well, Jalen Ford, one of the captains of this Texas defense, I thought had the perfect tweet last night. He said, okay, I've seen it all. I've seen enough. It's all rat poison now. That's what he said. So basically sending the message of what you're talking about, like, hey, Saturday was awesome, huge win for us, but that wasn't our only goal this season. We've got 10 more regular season games left. We've got a conference championship that we need to go out and win, and we've got bigger goals and aspirations for this 2023 season than just beating Alabama on the road. And I thought there was a little subtle Saban jab in there too because that's Saban's line, rat poison. Like that's what he always calls it. So I thought Jalen Ford, maybe a little knife twist right there in uh, in Alabama by saying that. But that's that's the right mindset that Texas needs to have. The fans, shit, celebrate this all you want, right? I saw some Texas fans on social media being like, oh, no, you know, we can't celebrate this. We got to focus on Wyoming. It's like, uh, the players will do that. Like we, we, we could celebrate this. This is a huge win. This is the biggest regular season win for Texas in maybe, I don't know, 20 years. Like what, oh, yeah. when's the last time Texas won a game that's been big in the regular season. The last time they beat a top three team was 2008 at the cotton bowl against Oklahoma. Maybe it's that one. Maybe it's 2005 in the shoe in Columbus. Now, we have the benefit of hindsight. Obviously, Texas went on to win the national championship that year, so that game turned out to be huge for a number of different reasons. But as a fan, you're allowed to celebrate for a little bit. You don't have to be like so focused on Wyoming. As a fan, just enjoy yeah, the moment, well, man. We haven't had a, a lot of moments like this in recent well, years. Well, BK, as a player, you're allowed to celebrate. I mean, you work hard. You you practice hard all week. Yeah. The, the, the joy you get out of is playing and winning a game. So there's nothing wrong with Saturday night. You know what I'm saying? Into sun, Saturday night into Sunday morning, which most of them did. You know what I'm saying? By the time they get home, they still go out and celebrate. Oh, yeah. But then by the time you have to get in the meeting with the team again, when it comes to getting back to the team again, now that's gone. That's all gone. The celebrations, you know, you can't be talking about what happened last week and how Tuscaloosa was. And you know what? I winked over there at that cheerleader. She winked back at me. Those things are gone now. You continue. Now you have to move forward. You have to go on. But there's nothing wrong with celebrating. There's not... I mean, you work too hard not to celebrate a win like that. Yeah. When people get on there and start saying, oh, now they're smoking cigars. Now they think they're – no. A mature team just goes right back to work. Yep. But you're allowed to celebrate. You should be allowed to celebrate for 24 hours until you start to move on. I mean, they're, they won't even be talking about what they did in that game. Now, the mature team won't be talking about what happened at Alabama. They're going to be talking about how we clean things up when we play Wyoming at home because our crowd will be buzzing now. The, the pressure is really on now on you as a player because your place is going to be packed. Wyoming game may have been packed. You know what I'm saying? If if they play a close game and they lose that game against Alabama, you may get a packed house, but it's going to be packed now. Yeah. This is going to be jammed up. And how you handle the pressure from this point on is on you as a player and you as a coaching staff. Yep. And so how, how are you going to handle it? But I'm not mad at those dudes. I saw Quinn Ewers sitting on a chair with a cigar. So be it. So Have be two. it. Have two cigars. Yep. But you know what you got to do. You got. You know what you have to do. Come Sunday night and Monday, 
You're not going to be still smoking a cigar celebrating the Alabama win on Monday or Tuesday. I hope not. No, no chance. But this is worth celebrating. Here are some of the statistics from Texas's win in Tuscaloosa on Saturday. I just mentioned it. The first win for the Longhorns against a top three team since 2008. They ended Alabama's 21-game home winning streak. That was the longest active win streak at home in all of college football. They ended Alabama's 57-game regular season non-conference winning streak. The last time Alabama has lost a non-conference game in the regular season, Buck, 2007. Steve Sarkeesian became the first former Saban assistant to beat Nick Saban in Tuscaloosa. He's only the third assistant coach, former assistant coach, to ever beat Nick Saban, but he's the first to do it at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Mentioned this one earlier, Nick Saban's first double-digit home loss since 2003 when he was the head coach at LSU. So that has never happened during his Alabama tenure. And speaking of Alabama, that was Alabama's first double-digit home loss since 2004. All of that shit, Buck, that's worth celebrating. You could have a cigar after ending all of those streaks. You could party it up a little bit. You're right. The mindset now needs to be shifted towards Wyoming. And, hey, we saw Wyoming against the Big 12 team a couple of weeks ago, okay? They've got the Big 12 powerhouse. Yeah, they've got a few white boys who can make some things happen, all right? So you better be be buttoned up a little bit and not just take this team completely for granted. But, uh, no, man, I I had zero problem with uh, this Texas team celebrating the way that it did. That was a massive, massive win. And for Quinn Ewers, like, that was the picture you were talking about, him smoking a cigar in the locker room. Dude, how good does that feel? I mean, there were people calling for his job all last season. There were people calling for his job all last week. Oh, is it time for Malik? Is it time for Arch? Hell, as soon as Arch committed, it was like, oh, that guy's going to start right away. Sorry, Quinn Ewers, you're done. Like, there's been a lot of that that Quinn Ewers has had to deal with over the last year or so. And for him to have that performance, I mean, he's had a couple of good performances in his Texas career, but that one far and away the best, all things considered. For him to do that, shit, that guy could celebrate all he wants. This guy doesn't have a turnover in two big games. I mean, the Rice game itself was enough pressure on him with uh, Arch Manning being there, with the way Malik Murphy played in the spring. There's enough pressure going through game one, as, as we said, period. Doesn't matter who you play, you still have to play good. I mean, you can't turn it over. Guys had two games without turning the ball over with, and nothing's even close to turning it over. That's the thing. There's not, there hasn't been anything close. It's not like some defender dropped the ball and hit him in the hands. This guy's put the ball where it has had to be for two straight games. And to go there, as you said, go to Tuscaloosa and put the ball where it had to be without that group, without somebody hitting you arm, hitting you on the arm, hitting you from behind, you stepping up. I mean, you still got to work on your footwork. That still has to be done. That's got to be a part of his game. And the ones that he did miss, a lot of that had to do with his footwork again, VK. Had nothing to do with his arms. He's got a great arm, but it still had to do with the little mechanics that he gets lost in sometimes. You know what I'm saying? He starts relying on that arm. After you throw a bomb and you get it a reception, you make a touchdown, then you start forgetting that stuff that, oh, it's about it's about the way I throw it. No, it's about your mechanics of totally the way you throw it. It's your feet, it's uh, the way you position yourself. You know, he gets that he gets that that gets lost in a couple of his throws. And if he wants to be a great one, not just a good one, he's going to have to remember that at all times. But he played really well, and he's played well for two games so far this season. Yeah, hasn't turned the ball over. And Texas played about as clean of a game as you could possibly play, right? Zero turnovers in Tuscaloosa. And I think Texas only had four penalties for 40 yards. Meanwhile, Alabama, right? The creme de la creme, the premier program in the sport over the last 15 years, they looked like the sloppy team. 
They looked like a team playing on the road. They looked like the underdog on Saturday night. The two bad Jalen Milrow interceptions. My God, they they uh, they might have to figure that out in Tuscaloosa the rest of the way. But also 10 penalties for 90 yards. I mean, Alabama had a ton of penalties. I think they had 15 in the game here in Austin. They had 10 in this one at home with the crowd on their side in this game against Texas. So Texas played the cleaner game, Buck. No turnovers, only four penalties. Yeah, it wasn't all perfect. There were a couple of... You know, the drops you talked about and a couple of Quinn Ewers throws that I'm sure he'd like to have back. And you talked about the Longhorns' inconsistencies running the football. It wasn't uh, the most picture-perfect performance you would ever see. But, man, all things considered, in that environment, dealing with that crowd and that team and that coach to play as clean of a game as Texas played, you couldn't ask for much more than that. No, no. By the way, nobody runs the ball against that team except for Georgia. Nobody sticks it down their throat except for one other team in America. Nobody goes in there and does that. And a, and a Texas team that's still got to work on the run game. I was really – John the Brooks, I thought, played once again another solid football game. He was very helpful in the backfield. Mm. And he made the plays. When they had that little stretch when they ran a couple times, and those – hey, three yards are a hard three yards against that Alabama team. They had some hard threes and some hard fours. Now, they didn't light it up with big runs. But who does have big runs against that group? You just have to be able to get for a number – Get yourself 80 yards, 90 yards, and be happy with that. Just, But you can't stop running it, and Sark didn't. He still continued to try to do that. He tried to loosen up the run, you know, he, and, and that's just good coaching. You just don't give up on it. He never gave up on it, but he knew there were some deficiencies in that secondary, and the linebackers weren't getting drops. That middle area of 12 yards, 14 yards for the tight end, nobody got back deep enough, and they saw that, and, and they exploited that, and they did it well. They really did. And speaking of Looking good. Mm. I'm in my Travis Matthew. That's right. One of our new sponsors. You're talking about gear and you golfers out there know about Travis Matthew. Well, I'm sporting Travis Matthew today. They become one of our sponsors and one of our gear sponsors. It don't get any better than this, folks. Mm. It don't get any better than this. And that's right. I know I know the Texas cheaters would love to grab themselves some <laughs> of this Travis Matthew gear that was sent to us. And I want to thank uh, AJ over at Travis Matthew, because we will be wearing more of their gear with our logos here very shortly. Dude, that's a so sick-looking that. shirt right there, man. You got one of those for me? Got one of them for you. We've got we got blue and white. We've got it all for the whole gang. So man. thank you to the folks at Travis Matthew. Absolutely. Really Appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Good-looking shirt there. And how about my all-gas, no-breaks hat? This Love is a it. Last Stand hat. Shout-out to... One of our great sponsors, Last Stand Hats. If you want to get this same lid, you can do it at laststandhats.com. Tons of great styles, a ton for you to choose from, all sorts of Texas gear, plus a bunch of other schools from around the state of Texas as well on site there at laststandhats.com. Go over there, get your gear so you're ready for game day this Saturday against Wyoming. Many thanks to laststandhats.com for their great partnership with us at Texas Sports Unfiltered. BK, I can't wait to hear it for some folks. You know, I didn't get a chance to get out because I was sequestered at the hospital on Friday. And, and it was, you know, thank you to the folks once again over at the hospital. I, I know I was repeating myself numerous times because I had to do that to you. I must have asked you the same question over and over again on Friday. But believe me, I mean, it's it's very similar to having a concussion. It's just like slamming your head on the ground. So you start wandering and you want to know the same. If you if you feel something is regular to you, like asking, where's my wife? Where's my wife? Knowing damn well my wife's in Idaho. And thanks to her because she 
got got herself right on the first thing out of Idaho to get back to me. It was, yeah. I it was you know she wasn't supposed to come back. She was visiting her mom and was going to see some relatives, but she got on the first flight out of there and got to me as soon as possible. That's right. She had to take care of this old man because the old man was, and I hadn't fallen. Now you need to understand. I taught Tua how to stay upright. So I'm the I'm I'm the guy who understands how to fall. But for some reason people kept asking me, so did you fall? And you saw me. I never went down. No. I never hit the ground. You stayed if upright. I, yeah, I stayed upright. Yeah. And if I had to hit the ground, I would have known how to maneuver myself that I didn't hit this dome because you know what? I got ahead, but there ain't no screws in. You know what I mean? No. There's nothing up there. Nothing there. So just thank you to all the folks in the EMS and you and my son. And, and for what you guys did, I mean, you had to host a get-together out at Cobra. And thank you to the folks out there uh, in Bee Cave, the, the wonderful folks, Dan and Stacy and the gang out there. And Michael Griffin, who I heard was on the chalkboard with our with our listeners. Oh. Doing chalk work. And these dopes, did they get anything right? <laughs> did they ever, can they listen? Uh, some of them got some right. But, yeah, no, no. Griff was a good teacher, but it wasn't the best audience I think he's ever Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. When he asked, asked him, did any of you play football? And they looked at him. What, what do we look like, football players? Yeah, does, does middle school count? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Like, I played in sixth grade. Does that count? Does that make me qualified oh. for this uh, chalk talk here? Once again, thank you to Mitch over at Smokey Moe's. And, of course, I, I think Cody was there from Verde's. Yeah. With, with the food and stuff. Thank you, guys. And we'll be right back there again this Friday. Yes, we will. Come on. We will be there. Free lunch this Friday out at Covert Bee Cave, 1130. We're working on getting another Lifetime Longhorn to join us. But the Chalk Talk, the Q&A, it was a ton of fun this past Friday with legendary Lifetime Longhorn and national champion Michael Griffin, who actually jumped on Chip and Zay last Friday as well. If you you missed that, definitely go check out their podcast from Friday. Yeah. Griff and Zay are boys. Like they, uh, I think Zay's brother and Michael Griffin are like really, really good friends. And Zay's known the Griffins for like his whole life. And Oh, they, the back and forth between those two was spectacular. I mean, they were just dunking on each other. It was hilarious. Uh, oh, yes, I've, I've known Michael forever. I mean, he dated my daughter through high school, so. Oh, he told that story in the Chalk Talk. Oh, yeah. Not on the air, but he told that story to the folks who came well, out I to cover P. Dave. Yep, yeah, she uh, she broke his heart, man. And you could have been. That's what they do to you, Griff. Yeah. It's, made you a better, it's made you a better man. Yeah, she always prays, I mean, she hadn't broken my heart because she's a wonderful daughter, so yeah. I'm glad to have had that guy around in her life. So it's been, that was wonderful, and. And so the folks out at Cobra, once again, and they've got a place out there in BKs that you are absolutely going, absolutely going to love. They have three new state-of-the-art auto dealerships carrying seven brands, Buick's GMC, Cadillac, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and, of course, Ram. And they've got everything that you want, everything that you need. Plus, there's Ford in Hutto and Ford Lincoln in Austin. And please go to CobraBKave.com for all your information. There's a sale out there, not once a month, but every week. They have sales out there at Covert and BK. So go join the folks out there, Dan and Mike and Stacy. And nobody beats a Covert deal. Not now, not ever. Not ever. Buck, back into this Texas game. I just, the, the turnaround, right? Just the big picture turnaround for this Texas Longhorn football program over the last couple of years. And I'm, I'm just looking at the Steve Sarkeesian era in a vacuum. Obviously, if you want to talk about the end of Mac Brown and Charlie Strong and Tom Herman, you could do that too. But just from where this thing was two years ago 
in year one of the Steve Sarkeesian era when Texas was losing as a five-touchdown favorite to Kansas, allowing Kansas to run for more than 200 yards here in Austin to what we saw on Saturday night. Just a crazy turnaround, and it takes time. I know we're impatient. I'm guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. We want results, and we want results right away. That's that's how we are in, in today's society. We want instant gratification, and obviously 2021 was frustrating, and there were plenty of moments in 2022 that were frustrating as well, but just to think about the total 180, Buck, that this team has taken right now, and I know there's still 10 games, and they've got a lot they've got to do the rest of this season, sure. right? This can't be the only big moment for the Longhorns, but to go from that embarrassing loss, I mean, one of the most embarrassing, if not the most embarrassing loss in program history to one of the best regular season wins in program history in just the span of a couple of years. Massive credit to Steve Sarkeesian and this coaching staff for what they've done. Obviously, credit goes to the players as well for buying in to this culture that they've tried to establish, but I couldn't stop thinking about it, and I think I'm not going to play this audio because it's messing up and I don't want to mess with it anymore. We'll we'll get it figured out for the rest of the shows today. But like I think Steve Sarkeesian talked about this after the game. The moment in the game on Saturday night that really embodied the turnaround for this Texas football program was the very last possession of the game, Buck. Texas was up 10. They got the ball back with 7 minutes and 14 seconds left. Bama never touched the football again. Like I think I think of the Tom Herman era – that's that's a three and out. Boom. You spend 30 seconds, then you punt the ball right back to the other team, and they go down and score, and all of a sudden the wheels start to come off and you lose that game. No, Texas literally held the ball for the last seven minutes and 14 seconds. Jonathan Brooks, you talked about him earlier, had two huge third down conversions on the ground, and Texas was able to impose their will in that house, in that situation, that right there shows me, and I think shows everybody just how much things have changed for this Texas football program, the way that they were able to bleed the clock out with that 10-point lead and never let Alabama touch the football again. That was incredibly impressive. You know, I've been around, you know, since I've coached running backs forever. It's just watching Jonathan Brooks play, there's a guy who just doesn't want to give up his spot to a freshman, to a, a kid who may end up being a superstar who's not quite there yet. You know, and C.J. Baxter, he may be able to get in games. But Jonathan Brooks is a is a young cat right now that's not giving up his spot. And he's going to do everything he can to make you understand he's a really good, solid running back. I love his attitude. I love the way he plays the game. I love the way he goes about the game. And I, I guarantee you he's doing everything he can to help C.J. Baxter become a better football player. But he's not willing to say, you can take this job. And I like that in a player. I, I mean, I've, I've been around guys that, that I've had to change positions because – we get, we had so many guys fighting and fighting hard to be that guy. And it looks like he's that kind of guy. He's not giving up that position. Now, they can work together, but let me tell you something. He wants to be the first one to go out when the offense goes out. He wants to be the first guy running onto the field with the number one offense. You can just tell by the way he plays and the kind of heart that he plays with. But once again, BK, one thing about this football team is I just, I, I, in my mind, I just kept thinking, you know, these recruiting classes, Keep getting these four- and five-star guys. I know the majority of your team is made up of three-star guys, these hard-hat guys that go to work every day, the grunts out there. But if you keep getting five-stars like the Alabamas and the Georgias, no matter how your coaching is, eventually the talent will outweigh the coaching. But that's why I said Steve Sarkeesian just proved to me that that guy can absolutely get after him. Because, I, as I said, he's got to win two for you. That was one. That was them all together. But if he doesn't come up with the play calling that he did in that football game, I don't know if the Horns even win. No. I, I just don't. He had to. He had to be 
the guy in the forefront where everybody believed and what he said and what he called was going to happen. He will have another game this season. Now, this group can win on talent alone now just because, as I said, this group, if you keep getting these four and five stars, eventually they're just better than everybody else, and especially in the Big 12 right now. They're just better. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But great but, great but, talent can't overcome bad coaching, though, Buck. Right. Like it, right. And, well, and there were some, look, Texas had plenty of talent last year. This year's team is way more talented, but there were some uh, down coaching moments at time at times last year that I think Texas uh, cost Texas a couple of games. I think Sark up this game. That was the best coached game of his Texas career, maybe of his no entire doubt. head coaching career. Yeah, I mean, I just saw him. I mean, he looked like he, as I said, he had the joystick on those dudes in, in the game on Saturday. But 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 the players themselves, they they came to play too. They had to execute the plays that were called. That offensive line had to get better in six days. Now, we knew they had the talent because we've seen them play the entire last year and how good they were. But they said, you know what? That was embarrassing. That Rice game was embarrassing to them. And they got back to work and got it done. Yeah. They just did. And the defense... You know, they played better in the they played in the rice game, they were fantastic. They played this game, they were fantastic, and they can even get better, which is phenomenal. That's that's secondary once again. I know they let a couple get loose and that Milrow court throw a couple bombs down there towards the end. And that dude can absolutely get it as a runner. I mean, but when you got a running back playing quarterback, that's hard. Yep. Somebody has to throw the ball down the field. And his throwing is this that, that Alabama team still gonna win some games. Because that kid, I think, will get better. It's just going to be growing pains. I know when Alabama fans hear growing pains, they don't want to hear that. They just want the next Heisman Trophy quarterback to walk in there. Dude. But that guy, once he gets his throwing down, look out. Because when he escapes, yo. My favorite part of Saturday night, besides every part of Saturday night, <laughs> the fact that after the game, there were folks on the Alabama message boards wondering how they could get Steve Sarkeesian to be Nick Saban's replacement. That was literally the conversation Bama fans were having. It's like, how do we lure Sark away from Texas when Nick Saban's time is done? And I'm like, oh, that is so glorious, man. That I, I did not. That, anyway. that was always in my mind is, would he be the next guy? Would he be, you know, would he come to Texas, get some things done, win a championship? And would they call upon him and his offensive mind to do just that? And it's so funny to me. So funny to me. And I also love that every time Nick Saban loses a football game, the national narrative is, oh, he's done. Dynasty over. The game's passed him up a little bit. Alabama ain't the same. And it's, it cracks me up that to, that he's happens. He's not allowed to lose two games in a season or no. one game. No, nope. That's we'll, the end of them. We'll see what happens with Alabama. Look, we, we talked about it all last week, Buck. Like, we felt better about this Texas team than we felt about any Texas team maybe since 2009. And this sure. Alabama team had its lowest preseason ranking. Now, they were still number four in the country going into the year, obviously number three going into Saturday night. But their lowest preseason ranking since that same 2009 season. So you figured maybe there was an opportunity here for Texas. But I still think that Alabama team's fine. I still think they're going to be really, really good. And I hate that people are seemingly discrediting Texas for the job that they did. Now, that's right. still a team loaded with talent. Alabama's going to win 10 games this year. They'll very much be in the mix for the SEC championship. They'll very much be in the mix for the college football playoff again. And Texas just beat them. Texas was better. This was not a fluke. Buck, this game oh, could have no. been worse than 10, right? Like if Xavier Worthy catches that touchdown, if sure. Jonathan Brooks doesn't have the drop that he has. By the way, love Jonathan Brooks. Uh, maybe we need to stop throwing him the football because he that's that's now two weeks in a row with yeah, a he's gonna bad have to, drop. He's going to have to catch screen ones, the ones that come over the top. 
not the ones where he's going out in the flat. He's just those or just get better. Come on, keep practicing those. Just you got to get better. Those aren't hard yeah. catches, you know. No, Whittington had a drop. Also, Alabama had about 50 offensive holds that weren't called. Like there were there were of a few course. things. Texas won this game by 10. And once again, Nick Saban has never lost a home game by double digits in his Alabama career. But, like, Texas was clearly the better team, Buck. This thing could have been worse for the Crimson Tide on Saturday. Absolutely. Absolutely. This team is is this team is loaded with skilled players. It really, really is. And with that offensive mind, look out. But the thing that Alabama couldn't do, they couldn't run. They couldn't establish the run game, which they got just stuffed out, which was yeah. great to see. And Ford, I mean, that dude, that linebacker, is absolutely ridiculous. Talking about a guy who knows where the ball is. And you're talking about secondary guys that will come up and just strike you. Texas has a bunch of those. But that 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 front four is just ridiculous. They don't move. They don't give any ground. Now, the good news is for Texas, it's not just a front four, right? They've got depth. They've yes. got really like a front seven or eight because they were rotating guys in and out all day long well, on Brian, Saturday. Brian Murphy was everywhere. Yeah, Murphy was awesome. Devondre Sweat had another really, really good performance. Uh, how about the true freshman, Anthony Hill? Uh, oh, yeah. Welcome to college football. My no God, kidding. one and a half sacks for Anthony Hill. That guy made a couple of huge plays for the Longhorns. We didn't see him much against Rice when he was on the field in week one. He made some things happen. Maybe Texas was saving him. Maybe they knew they had something special with this kid. They didn't want to put too much on film, and they just were ready to unleash him against the Crimson Tide. Yeah, Anthony Hill, uh, I love that we get that dude on campus for the next three years, Buck. He's no special. Kidding. Yeah. You know what? When you put him outside as a rusher, I just didn't think he was going to be big enough or tall enough to be an outside guy. If a tackle got a hold of him, the tackles can't get him. No. They can't. He's strong enough that if you don't get really good leverage on him, he'll go through that outside shoulder and then get to the quarterback. His speed is phenomenal. But what surprised me for a freshman is his strength, his yeah. upper body strength. He's not a big, big guy. But he, when he gets you and you're leveraged and you're not squared up and you're not evenly in the middle of him, a shoulder won't stop him. He'll go right through your shoulder. Yep. Six tackles, actually two sacks for Anthony Hill. That was uh, costing him a half sack. Sorry about that, Anthony. Uh, also did a great job spying Jalen Milrow, too, as our guy Jake says in the comment line. Yeah, that's that's a tough job. That's a tough task that uh, Anthony Hill was faced with on Saturday in his first road game as a college football player and he passed it with flying colors man he was yes. awesome and you're right the entire texas defense was was spectacular I, um, i'm still thinking that secondary is going to be one of the best secondaries in, in college football midway during the season bk people are going to think of them as you don't want to throw against them because your quarterback is going to be under duress and if he doesn't let that ball go in time if there's any floaters out there they're going to get to it yep look they, pick them off. they did allow a couple of deep shots in this yep. game uh, funny enough, Alabama did not run a single play in the Texas red zone, Buck. Can you believe that? Long bomb, a couple of long passes. A couple of long bombs. But, yeah, for the most part, the Texas secondary was really good. Obviously, the two takeaways. You know, that was one of my keys to victory on Saturday. Normally, we do right. Bucky's three keys to victory on Saturday, brought to you by Hat Creek. Well, I was you on Saturday. And I'm like, turnovers, man. I know it's Captain Obvious stuff, but you have oh, yeah, to win have the turnover battle. Texas, once again, played a clean game. They didn't give the ball away on offense. And those two huge takeaways on defense uh, leading to a couple of scores for the Longhorns, absolutely massive. So yeah, look, 24 points on the road at Alabama. You will take that 10 times out of 10. Uh, this defense was opportunistic as well. They did a good job of getting pressure on Jalen Milrow. Once again, the Bama offensive line was holding all night long. 
not only one or two of them that were called. The refs could have called 15 or 20 of them if they wanted to. They just they couldn't stop Texas, man. Texas won the battle in the trenches, and it really wasn't that close. And that's a big part of why this Longhorn team got the win Saturday night. Yeah, and they, they definitely won the battle of the skill position guys on the outside when it comes to wide receivers. This group has a bunch of talented guys. They've got three, four, five deep if necessary, I believe. Yeah. You know, but but the three guys that were in there the most in this game performed just excellent performance by these guys. Getting open, getting into the spots where the quarterback felt comfortable throwing the ball, not overrunning wide open spots, having the balls let out in front of them where they could be intercepted. They got there, they stood their ground, and they caught the ball. And that was that was good to see. It was good to see Quinn Ewers let some let some fly. I don't I'm not saying tight windows. He didn't have to throw a lot of tight window throws because as I said as a wide receiver, sometimes you get a little fidgety when you're playing against teams like this. You don't believe in the zones that are there for you to, to, to stay in, and you start moving around, which puts a lot of pressure on the quarterback. But the quarterback stayed in the pocket. They found their spots, and he hit them with the ball, which was really, really nice. And the deep balls were really thrown nicely. Yes, they that were. It was really good to see. And thank you for this comment, Seth. We've got a couple hundred people in here watching right now. We need more likes. We appreciate you watching, but make sure you hit that thumbs up. Give this video some love. It helps us out it helps with the youtube algorithm so more people get to watch our content yeah you guys are always asking me how can we help the channel well here's one easy way to help the channel you just hit the thumbs up button on the youtube screen or on your phone it's that simple we really do appreciate the love and make sure you subscribe and yes as our buddy jsdtx says tell two friends hell tell five friends about texas sports unfiltered we love what we've put together We've got a great team already. We've got more additions coming to the team in the not-too-distant future. Big things planned for Texas Sports Unfiltered. We thank you guys for jumping on board, but we need more people to jump on board. We need y'all to spread the word. We're trying the best we can. We're doing our part, but uh, we need you guys to, uh, to let the great people know about everything we have going on on Texas Sports Unfiltered. We really do appreciate the continued love and support as we enter our fifth week of content here Very nice. on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Buck, some love to some sponsors real quick. How about audio visual consultations? You said it. You were kind of cooped up at home this weekend, but hey, with your TV set up, that's not a bad thing. No, it isn't. Audio visual consultations has everything that you need for the entertainment system of your dreams. And felt like I was in a big dream on Friday for sure. Now, you don't have to shop for the TV and then the surround sound and all the mounts and the equipment needed to make it all work because Tom McKay and his staff they're going to get to you, and they're going to fix everything that you need to have done. Audiovisual Consultation is one of the largest dealers of most television and audio brands. They have all the hottest items in stock, folks. That's right, in stock. Not only is Tom stocked up with the hardest to find TVs and Sonos audio equipment, he's not going to jack you up and raise prices on you. He won't do that to you. He's a good guy. Audiovisual Consultations, 512-255-8678. The smart guys that don't make you feel stupid unless you're trying to do this all by yourself. Make the call today to audiovisual consultations. Did you say Tom McKay is not trying to jack you what? Jack you up. Jack you up. Okay. Yes. That's not what That's I heard. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly what you heard. It's like I don't they're not gonna jack you up. No, I don't I don't think they're gonna do the other jacking either. Am I am I still I'm not still floating in that space? <laughs> am I? I was like, you're talking about the Sean Watson here or are you talking about A V consultations? Yeah. Love few, AV consultations. Had a few buddies over yesterday watching some uh, NFL football. We had Red Zone, we had the Fox game, we had the CBS game. 
And we had some tennis. Novak Djokovic. Djokovic Joker. Come on, baby. Cash money. How about the Joker at the end talking about Mamba mentality? He, him and Kobe were boys. I know. I saw that was awesome. Yeah, that was really that cool. Was, that was awesome. That was, I didn't realize he was so well spoken. And he is, he is so complimentary to, to the, the people around him, his group, the opponent that he plays. You know, I've never, you know, because it's Tentis. You know, tennis. What is tennis? Tennis. I don't. I don't put the sweater on tennis. my neck. And, you know, tennis. I don't put that little sweater on my neck. But I did enjoy that dude giving appreciation to everybody around him. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a, a, a nice performance by Novak Djokovic, winning his twenty fourth Grand Slam, extending his record on the men's side, but tying Margaret Court for the most Grand Slam titles in tennis history. I uh, got to watch it all thanks to AV Consultations, and also shout out to CentexTickets.com. Uh, yeah, man. If you want to be at DKR this Saturday, go to SendTextTickets.com. They've got tickets for this Texas-Wyoming game. They've got every game right there on site. And, of course, it's not just Longhorn tickets. If you want to get your Cowboys tickets, yeah, we'll talk about that impressive performance on Sunday wow. Night Football here in a second. Uh, they've got those tickets, Texans tickets, all the college teams, all the NFL teams, all season long, plus concert tickets, ACL Music Festival, Broadway shows. They've got it all right there. Just check them out at Send texttickets.com I love it. I love it. Big big things happening out at Circuit of the Americas for Syntex. If you need tickets for that group, please. Formula One just around the corner. Oh, can't wait. Man, oh man. Can't those, wait. Those foreigners come into this town. I love it. I'm telling Bring oh. your money. Bring your pesos. Bring your francs. Bring them all. We need it. <laughs> the, uh, the people watching out at COTA is oh, man. special. You got folks from all over the world making their way to Austin, Texas for the uh, the America Grand Prix, which will take place in October. Super excited about that. Uh, before we get back into this Texas Bama game, and of course, we'll talk about that more today. We'll talk about that all week long. Uh, let's talk about what the Cowboys did last night, Buck. I mean, my goodness, you couldn't have dreamt a better start to the 2023 season if you were a Dallas Cowboys fan. No, it's funny. The Giants got the ball first, and they were marching it down the field, and it's like, uh uh-oh, like this is not the way you want to start if you're Dallas. But the Cowboys' defense bodes up. They force a field goal attempt. Wanye Thomas, maybe the last guy on the Cowboys' roster, the last dude to make the team, gets the block. Noah Igbenogany, who the Cowboys just acquired in a trade last week, Goes the other way for the touchdown, and then the Cowboys never looked back. The special teams touchdown to start. They had a pick six as well. The offense did his part, did his part, did its part, and that was about as dominant of a performance as you could possibly have to open up the season for the Cowboys. Uh Uh-oh. Where'd the buck go? We've lost Bucky. You just got a black screen with a white circle, with a gray circle, with a white person inside of that screen. That's where we're at right now. I'll text the buck and make sure he's okay. Anytime we've got Bucky dealing with technology, it's scary for all of us. But yes, the Cowboys' dominant performance by them, pitching a shutout boy, Daniel Jones. You think Giants fans are already regretting that contract extension they gave that dude this offseason? Yikes. Uh, he didn't have a lot of help, though, man. I mean, the offensive line had no answers. Micah Parsons picking up exactly where he left off. 
Uh, he looks like he's got a shot to be the defensive player of the year this year. As I think the Buck is back in the building. Buck, you yeah, got us? I did this myself. I came back strong. It said something about my mic losing juice, but now I'm back to mic'd up. And yeah, Daniel Jones, give me my, my money. Give me back my money. <laughs> Dude. Wow. I mean, the Cowboys defensive line. I mean, the Giants O-line. You think Texas's O-line looked bad against Rice last week? Dude, the Giants offensive line couldn't block you or me in a phone booth. I mean, they were horrible last night. Daniel Jones was running for his life, but he obviously sucked too. The Cowboys in all three phases, Buck. Once again, special teams touchdown, defensive touchdown. Obviously, the offense did its part. Tony Pollard a couple of scores. I mean, that was an ass-whooping last night. And a lot, a lot of people thought the Giants were going to be... Yeah, a lot of people thought the Giants were going to be good, right? They won a playoff game last year, and it's like, oh, no, maybe they've overtaken the Cowboys. Like, maybe they're the biggest threat to the Eagles in the NFC East, and maybe you know, maybe this team is, is something special with Brian Dayball. Dude, the Cowboys sent a message last night. That wasn't just a, a Giants have some issues. That was a, hey, don't forget about the Cowboys. This team's pretty damn good, too. Well, that team was mad last night. They played, they played, they were very ferocious on defense from the start, but they didn't even have to bring their offense. They just had needed to bring the special teams and the defense. The offense could have stayed in the locker room and watched the game on TV. I mean, that was, that was overwhelming. They got, the Giants got overwhelmed by every position on the football field when it came to defense. That offense, they didn't have a player that was better than a player on the Cowboys. And, you know, I'm going to tell you, with, with Stephon Gilmore on the corner and that and those guys on the defensive line, there's going to be an awful lot of quarterbacks throwing the balls up for grabs because they're going to be pressured into throwing the ball, and it's not going to be on time. There's going to be a lot of three-step, one-step drops. How about one-step drop? Get it and just throw it. Don't even step into the throw. Get it and heave it yeah. because they don't have time. And Michael Parsons is an animal. That guy's like a big cat out Dude, there. He's awesome, man. He is awesome, and he was great last night. I mean, really, you could have picked like 10 different players of the game for the Cowboys. They were that good collectively, but Micah Parsons, pretty much from the opening snap, was just imposing his will on that poor Giants offensive line. Uh, Rough weekend for Alabama. Evan Neal, the right tackle, the former first-round pick out of Alabama, entering his second year. That guy couldn't block anybody, dude, whether it was Parsons or Dorrance Armstrong, or Dante Fowler. I mean, it didn't matter who the Cowboys were lining up there on the right side of the Giants' O-line. Uh, Evan Neal didn't stand a chance. Seven sacks for the Cowboys, five forced fumbles, two picks, including a pick six. Obviously, the blocked field goal for a touchdown, and they pitched a shutout. Like That's that's one of the best defensive performances, uh, performances you will ever see, Buck. Absolutely. And the entire nation got to watch. That's, that's maybe my favorite part of it. The whole country, the whole world got to see their job. Giants get their asses kicked on Sunday Night Football by the Dallas Cowboys. You know, when they put Van Der Esch out there as a defensive end, I always think that's just being, that's a, just a novelty. Put him out there, let Micah Parsons be in the middle and just roam in the middle. But Van Der Esch was getting pressure as a defensive end. I'm like, wow. Everybody's getting a piece of this action. Yep. Every, they look like they all wanted a piece of Daniel Jones last night for some reason. Yeah, it's like Maybe that. that big contract got them all pissed or whatever, but they look mad. I mean, they looked like they were coming to take Daniel Jones's head off last night. Yep. It's like Daniel Jones had released a video talking crap about all of the Cowboys defenders' moms or something <laughs> yes. like that. I mean, it, it looked personal out there for the Dallas defense last night. And, yeah, I mean, Dak didn't have to do much. 13 of 24. He only had 143 yards passing. 
Didn't need to do much. No, and, and there were a couple of drops, of course, still an issue for the Cowboys. But, uh, yeah, Dak did his thing. Tony Pollard had a couple of touchdowns. But like you said, it was uh, a defensive and special teams performance for the ages by this Dallas Cowboys team. And we'll see, man. I mean, don't don't sleep on the Cowboys now. They play the Jets next week. We'll see how that game goes. The Jets play tonight on Monday Night Football against Buffalo. That one should be a ton of fun. But, uh, man, the Cowboys, I know everyone's talking about Philly. I know everyone's talking about San Francisco. Obviously, both of those teams got wins yesterday. And I don't know if there was a more impressive team, maybe outside of Dallas, than San Francisco because they took it to the Pittsburgh Steelers in the Steel City yesterday. But don't don't forget about the Cowboys, man. I, I know what happens in the playoffs usually, but this is still a really, really talented team. And they upgraded at a couple of key spots this offseason. And they, once again, had the best performance of the week one in the National Football League. Yeah, if they stay healthy, they're going to be fantastic. They, they just are. I mean, quarterbacks are going to get smothered by this defense. And they're good at every every position on the defensive line right now. And, they, you know, and, and they get pressure on the quarterbacks. And the corners are absolutely ridiculous. And plus, they've got safeties that look like linebackers now. Yep. When they come through the gaps, I mean, they're – they're, they're playing and not having to play very deep because the quarterback doesn't get the ball off. They don't have to drop in covers that much. It looked like they've got like six linebackers playing out there right now. So if you can't if you can't run the ball and all you're going to do is sit back and drop back and let the Dallas Cowboys defense just tee off on you, it's going to be a long day for a lot of quarterbacks, including Jalen Hurts, I yep. believe. Ooh. Yeah, shout out to 9853 on the text line. The Cowboys DBs were shut down even when Jones had time to throw up. Yeah, the Cowboys secondary was awesome. I mean, yeah. it was, oh, I, as a Cowboys fan, I'm on, I'm on cloud nine. I, I haven't had too many football weekends like that in recent years, Buck. The Longhorns go out there and get a huge win. The Cowboys go out there and get a huge win. Both of them on the road against big time opponents. I mean, that was, that was pretty freaking glorious. By the way, the text line works 512-222-9328. If you're listening on the app or if you're watching on YouTube and you want to get involved via the text line, 512-222-9328. Other takeaways from week one of the NFL season, Buck, the Texans, uh, they fought hard with Baltimore for the first half, but Baltimore just too good. The Texans, so banged up on the offensive line. C.J. Stroud did some good things in his debut, but obviously looked like a rookie quarterback making his NFL debut yes. throughout the day. Uh, it was uh, a disappointing performance. The Ravens 29, the Texans 9. No, I think I think C.J. Stroud will just get better week to week to week. I mean, it's just, it's just a process for him. He doesn't have that much talent around him. You know, he's going to be he's going to be pressured. He's going to have to do a lot of thinking. He's just going to have to understand. I mean, it's a film room thing with him. I don't think it's a mechanical thing. I, I mean, I watched him stay in the pocket and throw some balls. I saw him move around in the pocket. It's just keep watching film for him, understanding what defenses are going to try to do to him. And yeah. he just doesn't have that much talent around. I still like the running back. I thought he ran hard up in there. And that's a good Baltimore. And Baltimore, once again, gets a guy hurt. They get their oh. running back hurt. Oh. That's done for the year. Yep. I mean, he was done for the year last year. Yeah, torn Achilles for J.K. Dobbins, the former Ohio State running back. I think he's from LaGrange, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So a Texas kid, uh, yeah, that uh, that sucked to see. That was probably the most impactful injury we had in uh, Sunday's action yesterday. Yeah, that was the, the one downside for Baltimore. They looked really, really good besides that. And for the Texans, yeah, I mean, they're down three starters on the offensive line, like, and the offensive line already was a bit of a question mark when it was healthy. True. 
and now they're down three guys, and C.J. Stroud got sacked five times. He was running for his life. They couldn't run the football at all. It was uh, it was a rough start for the Houston Texans yesterday. Well, it's going to we'll be say. just a learning experience for him all year long. Yeah. He's going to be on his back a lot. He's got to understand he just can't throw it up for grabs. You know, he's going to he's going to have to take learn how to throw the ball away because he's going to be under duress, as you said, without these offensive linemen. It's just going to happen that way. Yep. Oh. So I'm, glad they're playing him. I'm glad they put him in, though. I am, too. Uh, what happened to your Minnesota Vikings yesterday, Buck? Losing to the Bake Show? Yeah, yeah. At Baker, home? Baker, Baker, money maker for some of us. Oh. I was too busy. I was too busy watching Tua get off. And my team is going to the Super Bowl. That's right. Oh, you're making the call? Oh, the Cowboys and the Dolphins all the way. That's the call? Cowboys, Dolphins, Super Bowl? Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well. I, I did say the Eagles before, but I'm getting away from the Eagles. Way to, uh, way to, change, way, way to change the subject, guy. Uh, yeah. we're, we're talking about your Minnesota Vikings suffering maybe the most embarrassing loss of week one, losing to a team that was expected to be one of the worst in all of football at home. Yikes. Jordan Addison's a good player. Yeah. I can say that. He's good. He is. Now I'm done. That's it. That's all you got to say about That's that. That's all I got to say. He can go. But you're right. He can fly. Yeah. Tua kicked ass, man. I mean, that was what a game. Maybe the game of the day yesterday with the Dolphins and Chargers going back and forth. Of course, the Chargers' new offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, the former Cowboys offensive coordinator. The Chargers' offense wasn't the issue. They scored a bunch of points. The problem for the Chargers was they couldn't get a stop. And Tyreek Hill, man, I gave him some crap. A lot of people did, too. All Is he going for 2000 Do you see him getting $2,000? Yeah. I mean, all offseason long, he's like, I'm getting 2000 this year. He was talking a big game. Well, he's one-tenth of the way there. 215 yards for wow. Tyree Kill. They couldn't stop that dude. And Tua was, oh, my God. I mean, if he plays like that and can stay on the field – you might not be off with that Dolphins to the Super Bowl prediction. That that offense is lethal. Well, I think one of my takeaways of, of the weekend also, besides the, the Dolphins, were that the New England Patriots, with their defense, they still have a chance. They're gonna they're gonna up, they're not going anywhere, BK, but they're gonna screw up some teams trying to get there. I believe mm. you know teams like Buffalo. They're not they're not losing twice to anybody. I don't believe. I, I think they got a chance. At, at least a split in the AFC when they're playing their rivalries. I, I I do. When they play their rivals, I think they have a shot because Bill Belichick can still coach defense, man. He really can. Oh, yeah. And that, and that defense yesterday was still good. They just ran into a really good good quarterback and a great offensive line, too. Yeah, that game looked over, right? The Eagles went up 16 nothing early, right. and it's like, oh, this is a beat down. And, you know, Tom Brady was being honored, and it's like, oh, sorry about that, Tom. Your, your team's getting blown out in your return to Foxborough. But now the Pats fought back. They made it interesting, forced a couple of turnovers. Problem is, Bill O'Brien is the offensive coordinator in New England. Yes. So, you know, it's an upgrade over pencil ear Matt Patricia that they had last year. Like, at least Bill O'Brien is uh, qualified to be an offensive coordinator, but he's not a very good one. He was calling some dumb plays uh, in the second half in that one while the Patriots were trying to come back and get that victory. So he didn't help the Cowboys fans out. But, no, nah, you, you never count out a Bill Belichick team. Now, they, no. they, they probably have the – least talented roster in the AFC East, right? Yes. Like on paper, Buffalo's better, Miami's better, the Jets are better, 
But, you know, the Patriots, they're not going to be awful this year because they still have Bill Belichick. So You're absolutely right. Interesting year for them, for sure. And the Commanders struggled with Arizona. We got a text saying, yeah, the Commanders almost ruined everybody's survivor pool entries. Yes. I think, I think there were a few people who had Minnesota against Tampa Bay. Sorry about that, guys. But I think most people had the Commanders over the lowly Cardinals. That game was tough and tight throughout. But the uh, commies find a way to get it done. Like right. the Falcons last yesterday, I, I don't know how far they go with this quarterback, but Bijan Robinson, his first oh. touchdown, he ran through the like he ran through a tackle like crap through a goose. I mean, he just bounced right off and went into the end zone. Hey, Atlanta, maybe stop playing Tyler Algier, okay? He actually had a decent day. He did have he two did. touchdowns. He scored, but he scored twice, right? All the, all the Bijan fantasy owners are like, what the hell, dude? Like, give the ball to Bijan at the goal <laughs> line. Stop giving it to this BYU guy. Give it to the top 10 pick, please. What is he, the boy on the bicycle? I'm uh, giving it to him. Too soon. Too soon. But yeah, that touchdown, that receiving touchdown that Bijan had, absolutely nasty. Uh, we, we know, and all of you listening and watching know how good of a talent Bijan Robinson is. Cool to see him. Uh, dominate on Sunday the way that he did in his NFL debut. And poor Roshan, I saw him with the Bears. That group is awful. Oh, the Bears still suck? You don't say. Oh, my goodness. God, I just, I'll be dead before the Bears are good, you know? Man, I could could, could live for 200 years. I'm not worried about it because the Bears have and always will suck. Man, oh, man, yesterday they had, come on, Bears. Mm. I'm watching... I'm watching Roshan Johnson just slam it up in there, and they're doing absolutely nothing. Justin Fields running for his life, as usual, taking off when he doesn't have to take off. Hey, you can throw the ball down the field. That's why you're the quarterback. <laughs> throw it down the field. You don't always have to just take off, take two steps and start running. Was that, running for his life. Was that Justin Fields or was that Jalen Milrow? Did he make the yeah. trip from Tuscaloosa to oh Soldier Field to play quarterback for the Bears yesterday? Jalen Milrow has a... That dude has a better arm than Justin Fields. Oh, I don't know about that, but Justin Fields' arm does leave a lot to be desired, and obviously it's a huge year for him. You think it's his final year to figure things out in Chicago, and if he doesn't, then they're going to move on from him. Oh, yeah, back to the draft. Off season. All right, before we get back into this Texas-Alabama game and talk some more college football, some more love to some more of our great sponsors, how about the uh, the chair that you're sitting in right now, Buck. The chair that was downstairs in my house, I just don't know how it got down these steps. This son of a gun is heavy from relaxed to back, but you know what? BK probably thought I needed to go out in the ambulance in comfort, and it sounds like I did. And uh, I, I love the folks that relaxed the back. You know, I really needed the support, and sitting here for two hours, whether it's two hours or 20 minutes, I've got to have the support of my thoracic back. And I love the folks at relaxed the back. You know, they've, they've done everything that I've needed to have done, whether it's a chair, Tempur-Pedic mattress. If you folks are, are thinking about getting a mattress, you need to go over there and see Jason Caldwell and the folks at Relax the Back. They're located at B-Caves at the Hill Country Galleria across from Whole Foods and in Austin at the Gateway Shopping Center across from the Container Store. Live pain-free like the buck and relax the bat. Absolutely. Shout out to them and shout out to our friends at 7-Eleven as yeah. well. Our boy Ashish, big-time Texas fan, big-time Texas sports unfiltered fan, and a big-time supporter of the great things we have going on here at TSU. 
Go to 7-Eleven. They've got all the drinks, the beer, the snacks, the hot dogs, the tequila. You know what's at 7-Eleven. It's the best. They've got everything. And they're all over Central Texas. They're all over the Metroplex. They're all over Houston. Wherever you're tuning in, there is a 7-Eleven near you. Fuel up for game day. Oh, you don't have to wait till game day. Fuel up for the week at 7-Eleven. Love those folks. Love having them on board as well. I'm not giving me a Slurpee today, Buck. You know, I'm in I such mean, a good mood. No, I need to hydrate myself. I need to get myself a Slurpee. Maybe a sugarless Slurpee. Is there? There's no such thing as there. Uh, I, no. I feel like they might have some sugar-free flavors. Come on now. I could be making that up. I, you know, I, I, I go. You could be making that up. <laughs> you are making Slurpee is nothing but sugar and ice, isn't it? Yeah. Sugar-free Slurpee. Sugar-free Slurpee. Come on. We got sugar-free everything these days. There might be a sugar-free Slurpee. Somebody out there is doing that. I got to tell you, this guy, BK, was at my home on Friday, and he was looking for water. And this guy, you're talking about drinking from a hose, literally drinking from a hose straight from the well. He was in my garage where my water tank is and taking water out of, from the, straight from the well. Oh, to the container, he was drinking it straight from that. Now, you're talking about a real cowboy. That dude is a real <laughs> cowboy. That's what people in the old, old West did. They didn't They didn't have time. to. They just went to the, the fresh stream that was coming through right by the well, brought it up in the buckets, and started drinking it and washing their faces and their crotchal areas and things like that. Man. I didn't do that. I didn't wash my crotchal area <laughs> at your house when I was there on Friday. You drank straight from that little hose. Dude, that I was, water is nasty. I was so thirsty. like ass. I was, <laughs> really. I don't know if I told you this. If I did, I'm not sure if you remember, but. I probably don't. One of your dogs got out. You remember that? Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. When those dudes get out, those are great Pyrenees. When they get out, they're going for a walk, dude. Dude, and I like, I was like. I told a couple of the cops who showed up, I was like, would you guys go look for him? They didn't do shit. They just went home. <laughs> of course they did. <laughs> they, did, they didn't try. They're so, not dog sitters. They don't go after your dog. So after your dog, this is out here in the country. Oh. If your dogs get out, if the coyotes don't get them and the buzzards don't, the heat will get them. Dude. But they came back. They're all back. And I'm so thankful that they're back because when they go out, you know, it's scary out here. Well, dude, I they're was looking, like, they're looking for they're looking for another farm. That's what all they're looking for. Yeah, I didn't want to leave and, you. I didn't want to leave you. So I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll worry about the dog later. I'll go find the dog. I gotta stay with you and make sure you're okay. And then when you got uh, carted away by EMS and you relaxed the back chair and they took you to the <laughs> hospital, how's that sponsorship there? Uh, I'm like, right. all right, now I gotta go find this dog. And I I, I searched for an hour, dude. Uh, but like 30 minutes, 30 minutes in, I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm dying of thirst. It's like, you know, it's a hundred degrees outside. I'm (laughs) dying. So I go back to your house. I'm like, all right, I got to take a break. Let me get some water here. And I couldn't like you had a, the fridge, there's a little water dispenser in the fridge. I'm like, Oh, here's where the water is. That doesn't work. There's no water coming out of that thing. I look for a Brita. There's no Brita there. I didn't see any water bottles in the fridge. I saw the tank, though. I saw the tank. I, like, start walking around. I'm like, oh, here's this giant blue tank of water. It kind of looked like (laughs) one of those water coolers at the office. I'm like, oh, here's where they drink their water. No. I find a cup, and I start drinking. Dude, it tasted like cat piss. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it was nasty. That is non-filtered water right out of from Noah's Ark. I mean, 
and all the animals are drinking it. The frogs are pissing in that, tadpoles. It has to come through that tank and then get filtered and then into the house. That's not for outdoor drinking. You must have, that must have been so disgusting. Dude, I take like two sips and I'm like, this is not right. There's no way that the buck and his wife drink this water. (laughs) No, the buck only drinks this water anyway. Even when it's filtered, I only drink water from a bottle. I don't. I just have never done it. I don't drink. I don't drink water from the tap. I've been living in in the Texas area for over thirty years. I have not taken a tap water and put ice in it. I have not. I've never done that. So what? I what, drink water from the bottle. What was I drinking? I, you're telling me I was drinking tadpole piss there. Yes, that's where the frogs piss in the well. It comes through that system. It goes up. There's a filtration system that is wonderful. My wife uses it, but when it comes, even when it comes from the sink, she filters it again. I don't drink it. I drink bottled oh. water. I just, I know some system people are probably pissed at me because I do have a filtration system or two in my home, but I don't drink it still. I drink it out of a piece of plastic. I don't know if anybody's peed in the plastic, but I know this. I don't drink it from that. Let me tell you, Jay Ward. That? I love some fresh well water. Are you kidding me? This water was warm and it tasted like piss. It, it- <laughs> It was not good or cold. It was nasty. So then after that, I'm like, okay, I, I can't drink this. Like, I'm I'm dying of thirst, but I can't drink this anymore. I pour that out in the sink, and then I open up the fridge again, and what do I see? A bottle of Pedialyte. Yes, so that's pour, for me. I pour some of that in my glass. I'm like, I got to get something here, dude. Start drink. downing this Pedialyte like I'm hungover. Oh, my God. And then finally, I find where you keep the water bottles that you're talking about, and yes. I just guzzle one of those. But I'm like, oh, my God, do you guys not drink water in this place? What is going on? And my then, wife is thinking, what hell? What the hell happened to this house? She goes away. She wasn't supposed to come back till Tuesday. I'm in the hospital. BK's got my chair, my relaxed-to-back chair. Folks, this chair is the most awkward chair if you're trying to take it up or down 18 flights of steps. Now, do you understand my steps? It's for real, isn't it? It's 18 steps, not 18 flights of steps. And they're steep. They are steep. Yes. I will give you that. They are steep. And you're trying to take a chair down. She goes, why in the hell is this relaxed, the back chair? Why is your office chair downstairs? I still couldn't figure it out. She said, you got to ask BK what the hell was going on. Were you guys playing like hockey, pretending you're on skates with the chair around her house? I mean, they wheeled me out in this particular chair. In that particular chair. Yep. And then what did they do? Wheel me? They just dropped me off there and then threw me into a, on a gurney because I slept on that gurney in the hospital for night number one, by the way. Yep, they did. Just glad Good. you're okay, man. I am okay, and Ugh. I'm telling you, I'm hydrating. And once again, folks, if I disappear within the confines of the show, I got to go. That means I have to go to the bathroom. But I do have an uh. empty... Cashews, that's right. Oh, no. I've got this. If I have to go, I'm going to do this, Tom Herman. I am going to fill it because there. now I have to drink so much fluids that there's no way I'm going to last two hours. Oh. It's just not going to I'm just thankful for being around and people took good care of me. Is that- because obviously I was babbling and talking to myself and asking the same question over and over. My son's like, dude, are you going to ask me this question again? You're like a 98-year-old woman. Hey, and by the way, this deal that I told you I had, I got transient global amnesia. Guess who gets that? Guess who the doctors say come into the hospital with that more than anything? Older women that are gardeners. (laughs) 
No way. Yes. Wait, wait your sickness, your condition is something that old women get? Old women who are gardeners out in the garden a lot. Uh, they don't get enough hydration. It happens. They get amnesia. So it must have hit me. I haven't been in the garden lately, but my goodness. That is incredible. You don't want these things to happen to you. So drink your fluids, please. Even if you have to drink the well water that BK drank, oh, get something in you, please. Get something in you. Oh, man. All right, back to this Texas-Bama game, Buck. Uh, what a performance by the Longhorns. Let me ask you this. When Alabama took the lead at 16-13 late in the third quarter, how are you feeling? That was the first time Alabama had led all night long. And to that point, you know, Texas had played well, but they also left a few points on the board with some drops, with a missed field goal, just missed opportunities. Bama takes the lead. At that moment, were you confident that Texas was going to get it back? Or were you like, oh, my God, we blew our opportunity, and now we're in trouble? No, I still thought they would get a touchdown somewhere, and I thought they'd win the game because Bama couldn't run the ball. They wanted to run the ball. They really didn't want that kid throwing the football. They were trying everything. They were pretending like they were dropping back to throw at BK, but it was drop back, set, run that they had going on. And I think their offense consisted of a lot of that stuff that looked like drop back passing. Now he, he got a couple off, a couple deep ones off, but because that's the best ball he threw was a deep ball. Yeah. And we had known that. And I, I, I got to believe that Sark understood that. And, and PK and those guys understood what was going on because that intermediate ball, if that dude was to throw one 15 or 14 yards or 12 yards, it was or, or trying to have guys sit in the zones, he was going to throw a pick. Their best bet was to throw the ball deep. But I swear some of those setup when they dropped back to pass were all set, okay, go back, find an opening, and then take off. And everybody, I mean, the integrity of that defense for the Longhorns was fantastic. They kept their lanes. He did break the perimeter once and really get a nice run. And that's when he got his nice run. You know, their integrity on the outside was good for most of the game. But, dude, when he broke it, when he went back, all he was doing is outside, eyeballing the defensive ends. If the guys came inside, he was gone. He wasn't even thinking about throwing the ball down the field 12 or 13 yards. He was thinking of throwing bombs, but he wasn't throwing in the middle of the field. I mean, that after that first pick, it was ridiculous. He said, you know what, I'll drop back, but my intentions are never really to throw this ball. My intentions yeah. are to find a crease and run with it. And I think they had that set up as – is part of their plan for him not if he was going to throw he was only going to throw long yeah well that was why it was huge that texas responded the way that it did right like bama wants to play with the lead and they want to do that because they don't trust jalen milrow to throw the football and we all learned why they don't trust jalen milrow to throw the football right. Bama takes the lead and it's like oh god this is a problem because they're going to run the football they're going to kill clock and we might be in trouble here well what does texas do after bama scores that go-ahead touchdown three plays 75 yards in a minute and nine seconds to retake the lead early in the fourth quarter. And then the very next play, that wasn't the kickoff, you get the Jaron Thompson interception. And then the first play after that, you get the Jonathan Brooks rushing touchdown. So a three-play span, not including the kickoff, touchdown, interception, touchdown. Texas gets 14 points in 15 seconds, and they go up by 11. They go from down three to up by 11, and Jalen Milrow turned into a passer. I know Bama did score. Texas had yeah. a brain fart defensively on that nigh black touchdown where, you know, Texas defenders were tackling each other instead of tackling the Alabama guy with the football. But to turn Jalen Milrow into a passer like that, that was huge, right? The Longhorns and Sark talked about it and we talked about it. There was going to be some adversity. We knew Alabama was going to throw some punches. And some teams, when they get punched in the mouth by Alabama, they don't get up off the mat. 
Well, Sark talked about not only throwing jabs, he said we needed to throw haymakers. And that three-play sequence right there was haymaker after haymaker after haymaker. I mean, boom, 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 with touchdown, interception, touchdown. That was the difference in the game right there. A moment that has scared so many teams in that stadium in years past. A moment that has gotten the better of Texas way more often than not over the last 15 years. The Longhorns were able to respond in a big big way and land a few haymakers just like that to retake control of the game and they never look back you know and they never could when that when when that happened after they got up because they wanted to run the ball they still they couldn't run it against the texas defense they they wanted to run clock they got a three-point lead they didn't want the kid throwing and they tried to run the ball and dude they got stoned that defensive line of texas stoned those big and they had some big offensive linemen I thought maybe in the fourth quarter, I never felt like the game like that Alabama was going to run and hide at all. It was going to be down. It was going to be a four quarter game down to the very, very end. But when Bama wanted to really bring in their, their strength of what they do is that offensive line and that running game, they weren't getting anything. They were getting two yard runs. You know what I'm saying? They were, they, then they, then Milrow was trying to get, I mean, he was trying to get outside. He wasn't able to get outside anymore. They weren't giving up the perimeter. They were forcing him inside. He was going nowhere. But what they want to do is they want to run. They want to force that run game on you in the fourth quarter. They couldn't do it. They weren't getting enough. They had the kid had to go back and pass. Yep, yep. And and Texas responded a couple of different times, right? They had that three play, seventy five yard touchdown drive that lasted just over a minute. And then when Bama scored their touchdown and got the two point conversion to make it a three point game again, yeah. Well, Texas goes seven plays, seventy five yards in less than three minutes. So that's just. Uh, I, I can't say enough about Sark, man, especially in the second half. Like, that fourth quarter was so glorious, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, we talked about the final drive, too, where Texas got the ball back with seven minutes and 14 seconds, and Alabama's offense never saw the field again. Like, that's, we had not seen that from a Texas offense against anybody. Like They couldn't do that against Iowa State, right, in moments like that. They would cough it up and have to give the ball back to Iowa State, and they would go score, and Texas would lose again. We hadn't seen a moment like that from this offense in a long time. That's where Sark was at his best, Buck. I mean, at times at times in his first two years, in those big moments, he kind of cowered, and he would just lose the battle of wits, the chess match in-game between him and the defensive coordinator on the other sideline. No, he did not lose that. He put on a master class against the best defensive mind in the history of college football with that offensive display from Texas in the fourth quarter after they had given up the lead late in the third that was special. I'm telling you, man, yeah. that was special. Well, the, the play to Sanders was, I, I was like, wow, there's the one I'm talking about, Sark. There's the one that can win you the ball game right there. And you won the game. And that, now you, you've you still got one more to go, I believe. But that was a play that I've been looking for from this coach, this particular coach himself. Not him, not the rest of them. This coach, make me a call where a guy's wide ass open that wins you the game. And I thought that was it, you know, to come right back. I thought I thought that was a fantastic call, and the dude was wide open. I mean, this was oh yeah, this was drawn, this was drawn oh, what, up the the fifty yard pass to Sanders, oh, yeah. the catch and run. Oh, yep, this is drawn up. This is drawn up the way you were drawing them up when you were at Alabama, when you watched Smith and those guys be open. I'm like, how does that guy open? Ah. Can't have that guy wide open. Well, he he drew that one up, and that dude was so open. It was a nice catch, nice throw, but that that hurt a lot right there. That was. That, to me, was such a great calling, such a great play. And one Sark really needed to have his team really, really, you know, he says they look they look like the way he wants them to look. They act like the way. But right there was the one that tells me they believe that you're going to call one that's going to be wide open, Coach. 
Yeah. And they're going to execute it and make the play, and they did. Yeah, Sark had the minus touch on Saturday, man, especially in that fourth quarter. That play call that you talked about to set up the big oh, touchdown yeah. for Texas to retake the lead early in the fourth quarter. And then the the third and seven on that final drive of the game where yes. like Alabama was expecting, because Texas was so aggressive all night long, and I'll give Sark credit, right? You can't, you can't play not to lose. You got to go Herm Edwards. You play to win the game, and yes. Sark was aggressive. He talked about it after the game, and all the players were talking about it after the game. Like That was the mindset they felt like they needed to have to go win that game. They were so aggressive all night long. That on that last drive, Texas had a third and seven. Everyone's just like, oh, they're going to throw it here. Like, they're going to throw it here. Sark goes shotgun. I think he's got four receivers on the field. And what does he do? He just hands it off to Jonathan Brooks and give Brooks credit. He goes straight up the gut and picks up the first down. But it was the perfect play call. Like, everything Sark was touching was turning into gold on Saturday. It It was awesome. And for him, man, I mean, the biggest win of his coaching career, his second win against a top five team ever, but to do that against his mentor and to become the first former Saban assistant to win a game against Nick Saban in Tuscaloosa, like that, that's special, man. I'm I'm so happy for him. He's such a genuine dude. You, know, you can see it on his face. Oh, he's my God. You can see game, it. it was like, yep. He yep. was truly happy for he was, First of all, he was happy for those kids and those players. Yeah. You can see that. But he, the weight of the world was almost just lifted off his shoulders. Now, he understands as a coach, got to go back, got to do the same shit over again this week, got to get a little bit better. He understands that coaching mentality that you have to have when you're the leader, but he also had a lot of lot of weight lifted off of his shoulders. And, and as I said before, Quinn Ewers wants the weight now. He wants you to put it on him. He's he's. I think he feels mature enough that I can handle whatever you throw on me. If there's a big play to be made, I can make that for you now, Coach. Don't don't shy away from giving me the pressure. I, I'm not going to feel the pressure anymore. I want the pressure. Yeah. I mean, you talk about, you know, the weight being lifted off of Sark's back. I mean, it wasn't a monkey. It was a gorilla on Sark's yes, back. Was. But it was also one on Quinn Ewers' back, too. Right? Yes. Because we mentioned this earlier. There, there have been a lot of Quinn Ewers doubters. And look, I, I was not happy with the way he played in the first half against Rice. Like, I, I said it last week. I'm not going revisionist history here. Quinn Ewers was still this team's best quarterback. And I I'd never had a thought in my mind that Quinn Ewers should have been, uh, should have been benched in that game against Rice, but obviously his performance in week one left a lot to be desired. It wasn't all his fault. The O-line sucked. The running game wasn't as good as it needed to be. But still, Quinn Ewers didn't play great in week one. Texas fans were talking. All last year, there was a lot of, should we go Ewers or should we go back to Hudson Card? That was going on. And then Arch Manning commits, and it's like, uh-oh, uh-oh, sorry, Quinn, yeah. you lost your job. We've got a Manning coming in. Like, there, there's been so much talk about Quinn Ewers and whether or not he's the guy and for him to do that, man, I mean. Let me ask you this, BK, uh, during, during the course of the game. You know, last week against Rice, and I know Rice had more pressure than Alabama did on, on, on Quinn. And I thought, I said, for a guy who's lost 20 pounds, he still looks stumbly in the pocket. You know what I mean? Yep. And I know we're talking about Rice. In this game, am I right? He looked like he was upright, strong. His legs were strong. Now, he threw some balls. Once again, when he doesn't step into it, when he's throwing that sidearm stuff, thinking he can get away with it, which those were the, his incompletions too, or those type of throws. But did he look like when there were, wasn't a lot around him, he was stable with his, his footwork in yeah. the pocket though? Look, it, it helps having a good offensive line. And Texas's yeah, well, no offensive doubt. line was amazing on Saturday. They didn't allow a sack. I think Quinn Ewers was only pressured three times okay. in that game on Saturday. So yeah, look, that helped. I mean, yeah, Ewers' mechanics did look better, but of course they're going to look better and you're going to look more comfortable when you actually have time 
to throw the football. So that's like, look, Quinn Ewers, obviously the player of the game for Texas. I don't think there's any doubt about that, but he doesn't look as good as he looks without the offensive line playing as well as they play. Oh, there's no doubt. Is that defensive line? Yeah. No, because he was, he was staggering around even with a little pressure with rice, but I just thought for some reason, I said, this guy's standing pretty strong in the pocket against this group. I know they're blocking for him, but he's, he's not kind of bailing and doing things. You yep. know, he's just staying where he needed to stay. So well, that's that was thing. big for me on Saturday. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, when, when when you get pressure against you early on, even on plays where there's not pressure, you get right. nervous. Like, ah, shoot, someone's sure. about to be here because there's been somebody here all night long. Absolutely. Yeah, Ewers got more comfortable as the game went on because you know, he's like, oh, shit, my offensive line's actually playing well. Like, I've got time. There's nobody coming right now. I can stand back here, make me a PB&J sandwich, Yep. Drink me an Olipop and then throw the football. Like that's give an Olipop or give some of that well water. Uh, yeah, no, no, no well water, please. Okay. I'm not drinking any more of that. But no, like the offensive line, just once again, a total 180 from what we saw against Rice. Uh, credit to DJ Campbell, man. I mean, he, he, he got uh, bullied at times against Rice last week, making his first career start. He was awesome on Saturday. I thought Cole Hudson played really, really well. Obviously, Kelvin Banks did what Kelvin Banks does. Christian Jones did what Christian Jones does. And I'll give Jake Major some love, too. I don't want to leave anybody out on this offensive line. because Yeah, it was a the collective. little guy, Jake Majors, who they've yeah. been trying to get rid of forever, just keeps on battling. Yeah, it, it, was, uh, it, done. it was a collectively awesome performance. I know Texas couldn't run the ball. They've got to figure that out. But once again, you're, you're playing Alabama. Like you're, you're, They're going to be able to run the ball with that offensive line yes. against uh, other opponents down the road. That was the toughest defense Nobody's Texas. Nobody's running against that defense. No, that's the toughest defense Texas is going to see all season long. And uh, they, they were still able to put up 34 points and more than 450 yards of total offense. It was glorious. You uh, know, BK, you know <laughs> I, I've been worried about the Baylor group. I'm not worried anymore. Oh, dude, what? They they had that game. They had about, that I'm game. I'm not worried about them anymore. That was my big worry is Tech and Baylor. Tech's going to get it because they deserve to get it. Baylor now, I was worrisome about that being the first Big 12 game. You'll have to be so far over your skis to lose to that group. Because they are awful. Yeah, they had that game against Utah on Saturday. They were up 13-6 to with just over two minutes to go. Utah, on like a nine-minute drive, they score the uh, game-tying touchdown. And then Baylor throws a pick. Of course, their quarterback was out. Their backup quarterback throws a pick. Utah scores the touchdown to take the lead. And then Baylor marches down the field. They got a shot. They took a heave into the end zone. Probably should have been pass interference called on that final play. And They're by, not going to call that. And one. by probably, I mean definitely should have been pass interference <laughs> called on that final play. They don't get the flag. And Utah, impressive, man, with, with their backup quarterback. Two wins over power five teams. Yeah. They beat Florida. Florida's not very good. Then they go into Waco and beat Baylor. So a nice dub for Utah in yeah, a, Utah in a heartbreak. Utah very good in that game. No. Yeah, they just they, they need Cam Rising back. Like they, yes. they, they need their starting quarterback. You know, you, you take the starting QB out of a lot of teams and they're going to struggle offensively. And you figured Baylor would bounce back, especially defensively, right after what Texas State did to them in week one. And Dave Aranda, a great defensive coach. You knew he was going to have his guys buttoned up a little bit more. Uh, so they, they showed up for the most part. But in crunch time, Utah got the job done. Kyle Whittingham, a hell of a coach. They made those winning plays late and Baylor could not. And then Texas Tech... They had they had that game too, Buck. They, they had it. They don't deserve to have. They were up nine points at late in the third quarter, and then 
they fall apart, and your mark, you is what I like to call them. They're now yes. zero and two as well. And I didn't, you know, I didn't see the score, and I, I I wanted to see how UTSA and Texas State. What did that end up being? Did my guy? Did, did are the did, you, did your are, cousin bet on that game? No, but is Green Hall two and zero now? Yeah, uh, no. no, Green Hall. No, okay. is, that, is that what you're calling Texas State? Green Hall is now not. They're not two and zero. They are two and zero against the spread. They only lost by a touchdown. Ooh, but yeah, and my my That's co- what, isn't that what matters? Yeah, well, my cousin was on the other side of that game, so Ooh. sorry about that, Texas State. Shouldn't have doubted you. That's on me. Eat them up, cats. I'm now cats a, are for real. I'm now a big Texas State fan. I support GJ. We're going to try to get Coach Kenny on the show at some point here. Love to talk a little Texas State football, but uh, they lost, but they did cover. And what was the other game? Oh, how about I, I didn't watch this game because I think it was going on during our pregame show. I'm going to watch it today after uh, Trey and I do the midday show. By the way, Trey and I on from 12 to 3 today. Chip and Zay are 3 to 5. So Chip can go on campus and talk to the coaches and players. And we and have new guys. people coming on board. We have more, yes. more staff coming on board. On, on Wednesday, fire the cannon with uh, Rocky and Megan from 3 to 5. Shout out nice. to them. Excited about that show. Yeah, their debut episode is going to be Wednesday afternoon. And then more additions to announce after that as well. Awesome. How about, how about Rice 43, Houston 41 in double overtime? Rice Rice didn't score in the second half, and they still beat Houston. They were up 28-7 at halftime. The Kooks put up 21 points in the fourth quarter to tie it and force overtime. And then Rice in double OT gets a huge win against the Big 12 zone, Houston Cougars. Just jumping into the Big 12, taking that loss, huh? Yikes. JT JT Daniels, how was that superstar? 401 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. Yep, yep. So maybe, uh, look, Texas didn't look great in all facets against Rice. The defense was awesome. Special teams was very solid. Uh, Offensively, they had their issues. But maybe Rice has some cooking this year down in H-Town. Yes, indeed. And maybe Dana Holgerson with that wacky hair does Has not. nothing cooking, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's cooking like Lincoln Riley cooks a brisket. Man, oh, man, oh, man. Not good. Not OU was good. okay over the weekend. OU right there because oh. we need these two to play in the championship game. Well, did you see, yeah, OU, you know, not nearly as impressive as they were in week one, but they did pull away late from uh, the ponies of SMU 28 to 11 weird weird final score the defense they'll look good for Oklahoma they've only allowed 11 points in two games this year but the story from that one did you see it was on the sideline in Norman yeah I, I don't understand what the deal is there I mean a guy can't go to the football game his son-in-law coaches there I mean that mean his just, grandkids that's his grandkids dad I mean you can't come see them him work well they just they I, didn't I mean, want him they, they didn't want him on the sideline wearing OU stuff I don't think it was like oh. you can't come watch the game like I, I'm sure they could have put him in a suite no one would have found out about it it would have been perfectly fine but gave him some nice tickets in the stands I didn't realize he was on the sideline on the sideline yeah wearing OU gear not and, a good look yeah their offensive coordinator Jeff Lebby uh, in the post game, he was asked about it, and he was like, "Yeah, no, it's uh, my father-in-law, and you know this, this, and this." And then he doubled down by changing his profile picture on Facebook to a picture of him with Art Briles, and OU fans are pissed. And Brent Venables, you know, the head coach of Oklahoma, was asked about it after the game, and he was pissed. Yeah, like, he seemed they, like he they, wasn't very happy about that. No, he wasn't AD, told. Us, hey, oh. that meeting this morning will be all about you guys are not to invite people unless 
I give you permission. You're not to go to the training staff and get gear and give it out to somebody. That's their meeting this morning. I'd just like to have that win, and this is the first thing you'll be talking about. You're not even talking about the game. You're talking about what happened on the sideline, and everything now runs through me. He's now telling them everything runs through me now. Yeah, and um, Jeff Lebby, there's people who are talking about him losing his job because of this, like maybe getting fired, if not getting fired, getting suspended. Because apparently, yeah, as our man CB says in the comments, uh, I think Oklahoma knew when they hired Jeff Lebby that he was kind of related through marriage to Art Bryles. And that was like part of the deal when they hired Jeff Lebby away from Ole Miss. It's like, dude, oh, he, we'll take you, but you you can't bring this piece of shit around. Like he he cannot be a part of our program. And I guess Jeff Lebby decided to go rogue. No, no, no. Well, I, I don't know if it was the sidelines or around or anywhere. Like, I, I don't know what the condition was, but uh, clearly Oklahoma was not happy about it. And well, I mean, I, I, if, if it wasn't the sideline and this guy has a ticket and he's in the stands, but he comes to the he comes to see his son-in-law after the game and he's got his family with him and he's got his grandkids with him. I mean, I mean, you can't tell the guy he, he can't come to a football game. He's not he's not able he's able to come in no matter what happened at Baylor. If he's not in jail, he's allowed to go to your football game. And that's that's just a bunch of bullshit if the guy can't go to the game. Now, if if he's not allowed, he's, maybe he's not allowed to be on your sideline. I got that part. If I'm the head coach and I said, dude can't be on the sideline, can't be wearing our gear for sure. And whoever gave him, if, if he's wearing the gear that he didn't get at Academy or whatever, and somebody gave it to him within the program, now that could be a beef. But if the guy just went to the game, how can you stop a guy from going to the football? You can't say he can't go to the game. Hey, a no-fly list is a no-fly list, Buck. No. If I go to Norman, Oklahoma, to Gaylord Memorial Stadium, whatever they call it out there, and I go take a deuce on the 50-yard line, I'm not going to be allowed to go to any Oklahoma football games for the rest of my life. In the stands, well, he didn't do it at Oklahoma, he didn't drop anything there. Yeah, he, he did. Dropped it at Waco. Well, it was a little worse what he did. I would, yeah, I would argue. Yeah, but you still, that guy's still, you know, running around. He's not in jail. Nobody's cuffed him up. Mm-hmm. He can't go to a football game. I don't. I, I that part I don't get. That's fair. That's fair. But uh, I guess they had a rule that said you can't bring this dude around, and he brought him around. So Oklahoma fans are pissed, and that's the biggest storyline. Like Oklahoma's two and zero. Uh, their defense looks way better than what it was last year. And they've got a cupcake Big 12 schedule. So, yeah, they've got a shot to get to Arlington at the end of the season. Very and nice. they've got high hopes and expectations. But, yeah, all they're, all they're talking about right now is uh, Art Bryles and him being on the sideline. And how about Mel Tucker at Michigan State? We might have oh, to talk no. more about that tomorrow. Listen, but, yikes. Really? Is it, did you, were you given too much money? Was that $100 million or $75 million that they gave you? Just too much for you. Yeah. Well, speaking now, of speaking of Waco, and playing with yourself. Oh, really? <laughs> Phone sex. Yeah. Come on, man. East East Lansing is the Waco of the North, right? Like Michigan State, just their athletic department can't get out of its own way, dude. Now, I would like to congratulate Michigan State because they're very fortunate. Because Mel Tucker's not a very good football coach, and if this stuff is actually true then they get to fire him with cause so they don't have to pay that ridiculous $100 million contract that you're talking about. Dude, you can talk to her. You don't have to tell her that you're, you know, slamming a salami. Just (laughs) do it. Just slam it. But don't have to tell her, guess what I'm doing right now. Just keep that to yourself, Uh, you know? Yeah. Just grunt and groan or do whatever you have to do. But don't make it known to her that's what you're doing, especially somebody you've invited 
to your campus that talks about se- sexual harassment. Really? Front and groan. Really? A hundred million dollars? I would stay away from people for a hundred million dollars. Oh, I'd stay away from people for ten dollars, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I just get to stay at home? Come on, man. Uh, another hundred million, I may stay away from my wife for another hundred million. Hold on now. She, she listening? <laughs> no, she's gone. Good. Uh, uh, I think she would stay away from your ass for a hundred million too. Way less than that. Yeah, probably ten dollars also. Seriously, you're gonna have get on the phone for that. You're making a hundred million dollars, and that's what you're up to there, guy. Come on, come guy. on, guy. Uh, all right, couple more sponsor shout outs. Uh, I brought them up earlier, but I'll give them some more love. Shout out to Olipop. I got to go to the store because I'm out of Olipop. I drank like six of them last week, and uh, I need six more for this week this stuff is so good it is a healthy soda their slogan is a new kind of soda and that's exactly what this is you get that same soda taste but this stuff is actually good for you inside of every can you get a blend of seven unique botanicals plant fibers and prebiotics you're actually getting nine grams of fiber in every can of olipop there's only two to five grams of sugar per can very few calories and most importantly the flavor is absolutely there. They've got the classic soda flavors like cola, root beer, lemon lime, and Dr. Goodwin, which is their version of a Dr. Dr. Pepper. Dr. Goodwin. Oh, yeah. Dr. Feelgood. Dr. Feelgood. It makes you feel good drinking this stuff. They've got grape. They've got cream soda. They've got strawberry vanilla. They've got a cherry cola. I'm telling you, this stuff, it makes no sense. But they figured it out. A great tasting soda that not only isn't bad for you, but it's actually good for you. You get health benefits from drinking Olipop. It's available wherever you buy your sodas, H-E-B, Target, Walmart, Whole Foods, Costco, all throughout the Austin area, but not just in Austin. It's in the Metroplex. It's in Houston as well. A bunch of you guys have commented saying you're trying Olipop. I appreciate that. If you haven't tried it yet, if you have stopped drinking soda because it's not good for you, or if you feel bad about drinking soda because it's not good for you, uh, give Olipop a try, man. This stuff might change your life, Buck. It's, It's that good. You know what? If it'll help my memory, I'm about to go get me a six-pack right now. Come on, man. And shout out, one final sponsor, shout out, Woods Comfort Systems. Buck's got that Woods Comfort Systems AC unit at his place. They are awesome. If something's wrong with your AC or if you're building a house and you need a new AC system, you got to reach out to our friends at Woods Comfort Systems. The crew, Buck, they'll take care of you. 60 years in service, and they will do a fantastic job. If you ever need to come, by the way, if they put in a system for you, most likely, you're never going to have to call them. But if you do have to call them, believe me, they'll get it done, and it will work from that point on. No questions asked. Love those guys over there. Absolutely. Travis and, of course, uh, Dave over there at Woods Comfort Center. Woods Comfort Systems. Check them out online, woodscomfortsystems.com. And also, shout out to our friends at Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Any job that you need to get done, they've got the tools for you. For rent, for buy, it doesn't matter. Two Austin area locations up north in Anderson Square, down south on South 1st Street topgun.net we will shoot you straight buck this i've done some fun shows in my sports media career i don't know if any has been as fun as this one it's great having you back and also it's great getting to talk about a massive texas win over alabama this was a lot of fun we're gonna have a lot of fun all week long here on texas sports unfiltered no doubt about it and bk thank you once again for helping me out on Friday and, and for the for the listeners out there. I wish I was with you for the for the pregame show. I'll be there this week. I'll do everything that I'm supposed to do because you know me, I'm about to jump in this car and get some get going. Oh. Get things going. 
So, but but thank you so very much for you. Once again, the folks over at St. David's, uh, the rest of the staff for, for taking up for me while I was missing there for a while. But I hope to not be missing again. But you know what? Such is life. And when you have good people around you, things just keep on rolling. You guys kept it going. So uh, thank you very much, man. Absolutely. Always here for you, Buck. I know you did the same for me. And uh, once again, never forget 9-11. Never. Um, shout out to all of our first responders who, who took action on that fateful day in, in New York and uh, to those who lost their lives and to those who have been affected by that, uh, that incident. Man, our thoughts and prayers are still with you. Uh, we will never forget the uh, horribly tragic events that took place on September 11th in our country 22 years ago. And we've got our military man, Adam Wagner, set to uh, jump on along with Rodney Rodriguez. A little chaos theory. I'll be back with Trey from 12 to 3. Of course, we've got Hanging with Harge from 11 to noon. We've got Chip and Zay this afternoon from 3 to 5. But the Buck and I will be back tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Buck, great show today, my friend. See you tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you, man. Welcome. All right. Welcome horns, guys. Coming up now. Rodney, wax, chaos theory. Boys, take it away.